by two pseudonyms Joshes. Um, I am the Josh sat with the red beard and my name's Josh Hewitt and the other Josh is Josh Jones and I'm sat here with the black beard. Which is ironic because I'm the only one that can actually teach. What a lovely <laughs> pun that was to throw in there. That was gold. Solid gold, Josh. Well, I, 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 thought, I thought of it whilst I was sat on the toilet and I thought I can't be wasted. I will use that. <laughs> you set me up. I know, I did. It was, it was all a ploy. Um, hi, uh, and welcome back, hopefully to your third episode, maybe your first episode, probably not your second episode. Um, and yeah, um, as we said, my name is Josh, this is Josh, we've got our little podcast here, and I'm going to pass across to Josh, who will give you a little rundown on what we do here. What we do here is we take a celebrity, it could be an artist of any kind, like actor, singer... Artist, director, you know, it could director, be... even characters, maybe. We'll see. We'll see how well this goes. Um, and we look at them. We look at their lives. We do a little history. We do a bit of review. So on their chosen art form, and then a bit of their personal life, we intersplice it with. Yeah, and then we always make sure they're linked with something that's coming out this Always week. current, always current. And we'll finish off with a review of whatever that current item is. Yeah, um, I mean, so far we've done two people. Um, I mean, my number's a little bigger than that, actually, but I'll... <laughs> <laughs> um, it's three. Uh, <laughs> so we've, yeah, we've done a couple of podcasts. We've had some good feedback. Obviously, we've had a little bit of feedback saying that our feedback wasn't great on on our headsets <laughs> last week with a little bit of patches. Yes, but you'll be we're back in the same room now. Yeah, back together at last, and it feels so good. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, on top of all that we normally do, we also, as you may have seen last week, we didn't, but we do a little bit of review and news of what's been happening news. this week. Newsy news, news, newsy news, news, and that is pretty much going to be our little. Jingle. Uh, jingle. <laughs> which may or may not be appearing depending on how well our creation of jingles go. So insert it here. News. What's up, Jingle? <laughs> um Yeah, so news this week. Have you seen anything that's been happening? Film, TV, games, music? Um They've released the first pictures, as we saw earlier, of the, the new Pixar film. They don't have... even know what it's called or who's in it, but it looks Pixar. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's as you'd imagine a Pixar film would look. Um, it's, it's pleasing, rounded edges. It's Yeah, it's their style. Um, I'm excited. I, I can't think of a Pixar film I haven't liked apart from Cars. Or Cars 2. Yeah. <laughs> or Cars 2. Is there a third Planes. Car? Oh, there's planes. Oh, basically, oh, when they... we're, we're listing them up now. <laughs> so I take it back. Everything is good apart from anything that is animated vehicles that can talk. Yes, that's fair. 
Although there was um, a whole talk that Cars is actually in the same universe as Stephen King's oh. films. Have you seen this? I haven't seen that. I've seen the Pixar theory where all the Pixar mm. occurs in the same universe, but I haven't heard about it's Stephen King. I'm trying to remember. It's the first film, I think, only film he directed, which was his, where um, trucks came and gained sentience and they started killing their drivers. And it's the idea that these are the descendants of those because obviously they've got wheels but why would they have steering wheels and that's what they in them if humans didn't ever exist so it's the idea that God, yeah okay. um, so that, that was that this week um, I've not got much to say about that um, State of Play again from PlayStation came out and we got the first well, we got a date for Death Stranding oh we did yeah and a little pre-release did you see that they leaked the actual pre-purchase like what you get with it and all that I'm very excited for it it'll be cool um, I mean did you play much of the Metal Gear Solid series? Or? Uh, no, I played God, five. Metal Gear Five. Oh, Phantom Pain. I can't remember. Yeah, that's yeah. five. Um, you might have got MGV. Yeah, that's what it'd be. Phantom, the Phantom Pain. Yeah. There was um, the pre one, which was Ground Zero, which was a little almost like introduction to it. But yeah, there was that. I mean, the worst bit is I started on two, which is the one that everyone universally hates because oh. it's not got snake. It's all raiding, well, running around naked. But was only up from there. Well, yes, <laughs> <laughs> but no, I'm excited for it. We've also um, seen Black Widow shoot has started shooting. So Black we have. Shooting. Yeah, it started. I think Wednesday this week just gone. I mean, I don't know if that's going to help you. Oh, are you busy choking on some coffee grounds? I am, oh. I am choking on coffee grounds. I mean, that's not my review of the pictures. That's just his on his own. <laughs> it, is, it is mine on my own. Um, These are my own issues to deal with, Josh. Leave yeah. me. <laughs> Much like the coffee grounds, the photos are quite grainy. Uh, and yeah, I, I'm excited. I mean, it's taking place, I think, between Infinity War and Endgame. So it's not a prequel yeah. prequel, which is what I didn't want. They've now sort of confirmed it's taking place in that sort of period. Well, it did, yeah. From, from her, when you see the five years have passed in Endgame, you see this, um, she suddenly seems to be in charge of everything, which was an interesting little... Yeah, so we're going to see how that happens. So I'm, I'm excited for it. Yeah, I'm excited. Um, I mean, obviously there's a big push for more female representation in superhero films, so this is a good step forward, I suppose. It's taken a long time for her to get her own one, seeing as she's been in four... Yeah, and, and she's the highest paid female actress in the world. <laughs> yeah, <it's>, they've <laughs> taken their time. Um, um, also, I suppose in game news was the Epic Store's epic fail, as it oh. were. Yeah, going, well, I assume they called it an epic sale when they put it all on. Um, yeah, but they put a sale on this week. Didn't tell the publishers and distributors of the games that it was happening. Yeah, so a lot of money was lost. Well, Epic took the hit themselves, so the distributors didn't lose anything, but then it devalued their games in other markets, so they weren't best pleased, which mm. I, I get. Like your G2A and stuff. Yeah, they, they sort of pushed how it was in Steam and stuff like that. It just felt like Epic were making a big deal out of yeah. it and ruining it. Um, I mean, they've made a bold choice by starting their own store, and just sort of see how it goes from here, but I... I'm not a big fan of Epic, to be honest, they've only got Fortnite, haven't they? Uh, and League of Legends. Oh, yeah. I take it back. That's them as well, isn't it? Oh, who knows? Uh, it's not... <laughs> it's quite a big game, that. Um, yeah, and um, I suppose the biggest news, which we did touch on last week, but then it got cut out, um, was Sonic. 
Sonic it's, being delayed, yeah. Um, which is horrible news for me because it's my most anticipated film of this year. Well, it was until it got turned into. You've got high hopes for the year, Josh. Uh, um, I just think it'll be the yeah the best film. <laughs> I'm, I'm expecting nothing but pain and suffering, but that's what I want from it. That's what I'm expecting now. Um, but yeah, it's now going to be Valentine's Day next year, so it's going to rival Deadpool for most takings. But Imagine that going on your Valentine's Day day and being like, yeah, "Let's go watch Sonic." Oh, Carrie says no idea what's coming up <laughs> next year. That is that is exactly the plans. It'll be let's go see Sonic and then we'll sprint we'll to wherever we're going to eat. We'll, we'll trap them both in. We'll get. I'll, I'll tell Emma we're going up. We'll have a double date for Valentine's. <laughs> And then Sonic. we'll tell them where we're going, and then we'll sprint off, leave them there. Shouting, <laughs> gotta go fast. <laughs> Just meowing like cats. Um, but yeah, there's there's been a, a bit of news. There's not been anything that's rocked the world this week in news, I don't think. But yeah, I, I mean, well, not in media news. Not in media news. There's other news, but we won't go into that. Yeah, so, um, yeah, so I'm. I think that's about all I've got in my list of things I wanted to discuss. There wasn't a huge amount, as I said. Um, You've got a list. Well, my list is scrolling through Google at a fast pace beforehand because <laughs> I did not do enough prep for this this week. Yeah, that, that's that's all I've got, really. Um, well, fabulous. I think that rounds it off. Yeah. Insert a... jingle here. Which will just be me going. Used, but we'll see how it works. <laughs> Wow, wasn't that jingle great? Oh, it was a fabulous jingle, that. I mean, I think I was a bit loud with my response there, but hopefully you enjoyed it as much as I did. Wow, wasn't that jingle great? Yep, that's <laughs> that's my normal sort of celebration from things um, and response from people. Uh, but yeah, as you see, we obviously like music, which is why we created such a killer jingle there. Uh, wow. And that sort of leads into who we are reviewing this week. I mean, we haven't touched on it yet. We yeah. sort of left some clues. We did leave some clues. What were the clues? Do you remember? Yeah, we dropped in... Well, I only dropped in Single Man. Dropped in a Single Man, yeah. Uh, you said Saturday Nights... Saturday Nights All Right. Right, yeah. And um, uh, I dropped in Kingsman as well. You did drop in Kingsman, which was probably a bit of a curveball. Uh, yeah. But it is what it is. It's what it is. So, as Josh Jones, Blackbeard, Edward Teach himself, just to explain that joke from about ten minutes ago, who was it that you did the report on this week? It was the pinball wizard, the rocket man, Sir Elton Hercules John. Brilliant. I have very little to say on him. (laughs) No, I mean, I think I'm very much the opinion that I, well, both of us were born too late to enjoy his sort of meteoric sort of rise yeah. and the media that followed it and then got staccato John. We did. However, I I was I was brought up on not brought up on Elton John, but we, we had the like the greatest hits playlist and they yeah. played a fair amount. It explains a lot of the pictures in your house of you with massive glasses and just <laughs> shaving the middle of your head. I was taking a chisel to my middle teeth. <laughs> <laughs> 
It does. It does explain a lot, though, especially the way you walk, the dancing, and it's great. It's, it definitely explains my fashion sense. <laughs> it, he, is, you can see, you can tell he's a man who wore it hardy. He loves Ed Hardy, definitely. <laughs> um, so yeah, we are here to review his life um, and then obviously look at his most recent release. But we'll leave that for a bit later. So, yes. Josh, do you want to kick off this report? I will. So, born Reginald Kenneth Dwight in Middlesex on the 25th of March 1947, he was raised in his grandparents' home, mostly by his mother and his grandmother. He left school at 17 to pursue a career in music. That's impressive. I mean, I have just not been paying attention to that bit at all. I apologise. I, I was busy realising why I was hearing you twice. But yeah, he was born... What? <laughs> <laughs> you got your mic, I had my headphones turned oh, right up. Good. But yeah, he's, yeah, so left 17 to pursue music and yeah. lived in his grandparents' house. It's, it's, it's not standard. a standard upbringing, really, <laughs> no, is it? No, it wasn't. His, um, his father was uh, quite a stern man. Uh, he kept pushing him... He, he tried to push him into going into banking, actually. Like steering away from music. Despite this, um, he he was a big music fan. His father and his mm. mother was as well. His mother was more of a rock and roll fan. His father a jazz fan. Yeah. And um, his father used to actually play the trumpet in uh, a in band, band called Wizzy. In a band called Wizzy, was he with Peter Dinklage? Oh, for <laughs> God's sake, not Wizzy again. <laughs> yes, the funk, funk, rap, pop, whatever. Jobby, it yes. wasn't unfortunately. It was before his time. I'm sure he would have. He would have loved yeah. to work with Pete Dinklage, but um, no. He, he they played at like military. Um, oh, so he's, he's, he's more like a bugler, was he? Was he actually? <laughs> yeah, he was a trumpeter, but uh, trumpeter, trumpeter, trumpeter is a trumpeter. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Do not fear, trumpeter is here. <laughs> and he comes. Making his own theme tune. But yeah, so he used to play um, in a big band that played at military dances. Um, and his mother was uh, very big into rock and roll and actually bought Elton, Elvis Presley CDs, CDs, records at the time. Christ. Yeah, yeah. all those years ago, <laughs> all those years ago, records. Um, yeah, so, and that was how Elton found his love of rock and roll. Um, he, he was, it was quite a, um, so he didn't a repressed find... upbringing from, from his father. His father wouldn't hug him as... Yeah, yeah. The film and whatnot, but he, it, it, Elton has since attributed um, his wild like stage performances, his fashion sense to this repressed upbringing. Well, it's, it's clear, isn't it? Is it's almost like well, the Elton John that we all know is this stage persona he's created so that he oh, can yeah. express everything that he didn't have beforehand, um, and that's the person we get from it. Unfortunately, and I don't think it's a problem. I think it's great. It's, oh, it's great. Sort I of love it. Idea. I mean, of course you love it. I mean, you need a bit of fun in the world. Well, you're sat here with a headpiece on, so it's it's clear that you obviously enjoy it. I mean, I wish we didn't dress up for the showing, but <laughs> <laughs> but it was your favourite Elton John costume. I know. Um, I so went, he... to, I went in just um, a bathrobe and some pants. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that was the uh, the the rehab Elton look. That that was. I mean, we got some looks, but. <laughs> Um, so he got when he was young. He got a taste for performing uh, from playing on his grandmother's piano. And as a young boy, he was instantly good. Um, his mother rem- has gone on to say he re- she remembers him playing the Skaters Waltz by ear. Um, and at the age of eleven, he got a scholarship to the Royal Academy of Music to go on like Saturdays. It's it's it's, it's, it's <laughs> awful to say. Oh, I was just instantly good. It doesn't doesn't 
Oh, it irks me. It irks you. It's, it's, oh, yeah, but it's... Which is naturally good at everything. But he wasn't naturally good at everything. He couldn't write lyrics. He, he was just naturally good at, at playing, the, playing the piano and hearing And memory, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, he wasn't naturally good at singing either, really. But he's that's up for debate. That's up for debate. We'll we'll get into that we'll debate. Go, we'll we will. Um, so yeah, he got a scholarship to go in on Saturdays, um, and according to one of his instructors, he played back like a gramophone record. Is the quote a uh, four piece by Handel um, that he had heard for the first time straight after we created it by ear it's, that's crazy I mean I struggle to remember what someone said to me five minutes before <laughs> we can have a conversation and I will repeat that conversation we just had that discussion it is insane I mean Mozart was said to have been able to do yeah. that and that was what made him so great and, yeah he was and, a child prodigy as well yeah, which is essentially what he was as well yeah. to... but it's, it's I guess it's, it's almost a difference between what was when you're a nurtured child prodigy and when you're neglected but he was pushed by his his grandmother, essentially, wasn't he? It was, it was yeah, encouraged. his grandmother was encouraging. Yeah, encouraging, not not pushing. No, encouraging. Yeah. So she she used to take him to um, the War Academy, um, and yeah, he'd do that. Um, so at about f- uh, the age of fourteen, um, his parents got a divorce, and uh, his mother then married a local painter, Fed. There, brother, um, he was um, caring and supportive as a stepfather f- by all accounts. Mm-hmm. And Elton John actually referred to him as Durf. I don't know if you heard it in the movie, but he did say it once. Yeah, he did. Um, and it's spread backwards. That's oh. why he called him. It was like a. Is it because he was dyslexic or just just? <laughs> He, he misheard it the first time. <laughs> it. Which is odd, seeing as he had perfect hearing and he didn't recreate any sound. He just couldn't get that name right at all. Um, they moved into flat number 1A in an eight-unit apartment <laughs> building called Broomport. And it was there that John wrote the songs that launched his career as a rock star. And he lived there up until he had four albums simultaneously in the American Top 40. He lived there that entire time. I mean... My parents were happy to get me out of the house. Yeah, <laughs> but that's insane, isn't it? Imagine, like, you are this... Multi- well, well, he was, yeah, he was he multi-millionaire at that point, wasn't he? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I think he was worth... By the time he'd finished with his America stint, which was the sort of 1972 to 75 period, he mm-hmm. was worth $23 million, something like that. He was a lot of money. That's crazy, though. Um it's crazy by today's money. You also, it's, it's also yeah. the fact that it's what thirty years ago, forty years ago. Yeah, with inflation, that's a lot. Because, uh, yeah, he was promised what a, te- a tenner a week was. A yeah, lot was, when yeah. he started. That was well, his, his initial contract when he was mm. when he was like um, before he became Elton John yeah. was, was two pounds a week. Yeah, exactly. Then yeah, he got the sort of half, wasn't it? Yeah, the, touring. Yeah. When he touring, when he got the deal, it was up to ten pounds a week. Which now you're thinking, God. Living on 520 quid a year is, is not much, but then obviously it skyrocketed. Exactly. Um, so yeah, at the age of 15, he's performing in pubs, um, being the weekly regular, then the one nearest to their flat. Uh, he was known as Reggie at this point. Um, Reggie Dwight. Reggie Dwight. Reggie Dwight. Reggie Dwight Reggie, I still think it's a good name, Reggie um, Dwight. Although he is, it's a bit of a rock star name himself. I think. Right, Reggie Dwight, yeah, Reggie Dwight. That's cool. I, I can keep saying it. <laughs> it's still his name. Um, Although he was normal sighted, <laughs> um, he decided to wear glasses at these performances in the pubs to uh, 
imitate Buddy Holly. You about to say intimidate Buddy Holly? He was he was enticing into every show <laughs> wearing his glasses. Going, no, you can't even see what I'm playing. I'm <laughs> Just don't take the plane. <laughs> and then in 1962, he formed Bluesology. So this was when he was 15. Come on, I don't. I, 25. 20. He's no. not, definitely wasn't 25. No, By 25, he was touring. It must have been 15. 47 to. To when? 60, 62. Yeah, 15. Yeah, 15. Yeah. I'm glad you got that math. Oh, wait, my, my, my math's just <laughs> I've done it twice now, I'm getting the age wrong. Um, so he formed Bluesology with some of his friends, and by the mid-60s, Bluesology were backing the likes of the Isley Brothers and Patty the Bell and the Bluebells when they came on their uh, UK tour. That's crazy, at 15 to be doing that as well. But he, that's what we said, he was being paid about £2 a week, so he wasn't getting mm. lots of money, but he was getting enough money. It was good, it was still alright money, really, because everyone yeah. in the band was getting the same amount as well. Yeah. He wasn't getting anything special, he wasn't singing at these no. things he was backing. Was no, he? no, he wasn't. He was just, he was just uh, the piano man. Yeah, um, and so shortly after this, this was where he met um, Torpin. I believe it was Bernie Torpin, wasn't it? <laughs> Yeah, it was shortly after this that uh, he met Bernie Torpin, um, and the two were instantly like this connection there. There was yeah, a, there was a clear... was, there was a good one. So Bernie Torpin was a lyricist, and um, Elton John was the tune player. Like what, what would you say? The composer, the, composer. the, co- the music. He, composition. he put the music to it and sang it. So he's the performer. And the final. Bernie Torpin is more confusing to me than Elton John. <laughs> you go, hey, oh, I can play piano, I can sing a bit, I can do this, I can do that. Oh, I just write words down and hope that they can turn into songs. It's, it's a weird mm. it's a weird profession to have that I was writing these words down, I have no idea how they'd work with music, but I've assumed there'd be a tune that would fit this. Yeah, exactly. And um, so they. Uh... Oh, God, I'm freezing here. Freezing. Freezing. Uh, I, I, I've asked about the heating beforehand, and here you are, busy complaining <laughs> about, about this. So, yeah, so they they joined DGM Records as songwriters. They wrote for Lulu, Roger Cook, various other artists, and okay. essentially, Torpin would write a batch of lyrics uh, in under an hour, give them to Elton, who would then write the music for them all in under half an hour. And if he couldn't come up with any tune quickly enough. Like by his standards, he would literally just throw them out. So essentially, in the space of about an hour and a half, they'd write about five songs. Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? Churn them out, insane, isn't it? And obviously, they now talk about how music is now just it's a, 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 a turnover industry. That's what it is. Mm. Just in out, in out, out. Very much how it's always been, hasn't yeah. it? It's just trying to make the money as quickly as you can by getting the people who can do it. Oh yeah. So they were signed when they uh, got signed as actual. Um, artists themselves so Elton John being the artist and Torben being the uh, writer lyricist um, they were given a three year or three album contract three album a year contract it was a three, yeah, it was a three year contract and they expected nine albums essentially yeah. didn't they over that time which is insane by today's standard even insane by those it's, standards it's, it's mad I, I, how they can expect obviously if you're looking about what 13 tracks an album mm. They're expecting quality tracks because that's very much what they're after. They're looking at about 40 tracks a year. So 120 quality tracks in the space of three years is what they're expecting. Some artists, you won't get that in their entire musical back catalogue. <laughs> won't get anywhere it's near insane. that. It's insane. But <clears throat> when you look back at um, 
artists of a similar time they they churned out like David Bowie he had what mm. four, 40 50 albums to his name by the time he died something insane it was just because the, these people were just as as we just said they were churning songs out and songs out and songs out and just it wasn't they weren't diversifying portfolios were they it was just they would get one artist that would sell and then work them to death essentially yeah exactly exactly so like a horse this was in 1969 the eponymous debut album Elton John was recorded and then it was released in 1970 did they decide on the name did like Dick Torpin, <laughs> as I'm going to call him from now on. Did he just write about 20 different names down and then Elton John looked at them for about 10 seconds and threw them out until he got one, which was just Elton John because it rang with him? Is that how it was created? Because I feel like it's one of those, oh, I like the sound of that one because he created that. No, it's, it's a lazy name, isn't it? It's. I, I'm so not... he's, there have been a few suggestions as to why he's got the name. Obviously, you, you mentioned them. what was shown in the film was that it was from his bandmate Elton... And um, I, I, from what I remember, from what I've read, is he's taken them from two, well, essentially childhood friends. He's created mm. this name from me, so Elton from uh, Bluesology, and then he was in a small when he was still up and coming with someone from the Royal Music Academy. It was the name John, so he's taken those those as sort of like an homage to his friends yeah. who got him to where he was meant to be. And then in the film, it shows the friend still being where the Elton inspiration yeah. was. But then um, John came from the Beatles. There was a picture yeah. of the Beatles on there. He just took the name from So there. then I think that the common theme is this Elton, Elton Dean is the name yeah. of the, the band member. And that is the solid one. It's where the John came from. I yeah. think is the uh, dispute. Because I've read that it was from Long John Baldry. Nowhere near where we were. Not Little John at all. And it does explain his pirate earring if he's gone for Long John. It does. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Explains a lot of things, you know. I am a pirate, obviously. Quite big. Yeah, we're, we're, all ties back. I mean, all all meshing. There may be a prize if you can guess the secret theme of this <laughs> this big show. <laughs> um, so yeah, so he released the eponymous album Elton John, came in at number seven in the UK chart, and uh, the biggest single to come from the album was obviously Your Song. And I think we could stop there, to be honest. And, it's my, it's my, like I said, it's my favourite one of his, I think, of of the, the main back catalogue. Your song just works so nicely. Yeah. Um, I was talking with you and and Keris before this this show, talking about how I love the line where he's like, if I was a sculptor, but then again, no, like he's just <laughs> given up on the line. Um, and then got a massive row about obviously how it's a string of consciousness, which is where it's coming from. And I should know that as I love postmodernist fiction. But it's it is my favorite. One. I think it's just such a heartfelt and realized song. It's just it, it, I think anyone can sort of relate to it. It's just you're down. You're like you haven't got much to give someone that you really care about. So you just give what you have, which is yeah. your own sort. Is 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 you essentially a bit of your soul? I really like it. Have you have you listened to um, the Ellie Goulding cover? I think it was the one that was on the there's a, I, an advert. I, 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 I have heard it, but I don't like it. You don't like it? I don't, I don't like it. I think it's quite a good cover, if I'm honest. I know that, um, yeah, she's recorded covered it. She's rare covered it, she's she? She's rare covered it. Recovered it from, from where it got dropped on the floor. Yes, <laughs> she recovered it. No, I've not. I've, I've not. Covered it. I've got to be honest, I don't think much of, of her, but then again, I, that's my opinion of it. But I like to start off with, she's got a nice voice, but then she started getting commercial. But you could argue the same with 
with many artists. You might argue the same with Elton, with Elton John eventually <laughs> as well. Yeah, so um, then in 1971, mm-hmm. um, so that was at the end of 1970. 1971 brought with it Madman Across the Water. Um, this album was the single Tiny Dancer and the not so big hit at the time, Indian Sunset, was also on this album. Uh, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> Tiny Dancer, I, I enjoy, I mean, when anyone says Tiny Dancer, I always get mistaken with Private Dancer by Tina Turner, which is a very different song. Really, yeah. I, in my head, I just get, I, when someone says, oh, I like that, I'm like, oh yeah, and I sing the wrong song every time, every time I sing Private oh, Dancer. I, I always hear the joke that it was written about um, Tony Dancer. Yeah, which is about, it's, it's, it doesn't, that's from, I can't remember what that's, that's a callback to. going out. Not going out, is it? Ah, uh, I'm pretty sure it's in other things as well prior to that. Classic. But yeah. I, I really enjoy that song as well. I think it's, I think it's a good song. It's a nice little upbeat. It, and that's, and that's what they wanted, wasn't it? They wanted hmm. the songs that would, I'm throwing back to the film is, which we'll discuss a bit more, one that you'd expect the homeless man to be whistling to himself when walking down yeah. the street. So you'd hear it everywhere. And it's one of those ones that just jumps out. The thing that always goes, tiny dance, the, the chorus doesn't come in to, for quite a while. It's no. quite a long intro and then suddenly it crescendos. I quite like it. Yeah, it's, 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 it's the build-up to, mm-hmm. to it. And when you listen to it, you do, you sort of go, oh, it's coming in a second, it's yeah. coming in a second. <laughs> what is it? But it's not, but it's not like you're waiting for it as in you're like, come on, it's like a... I'm enjoying this. No, you're, act, you're actively you're yeah. actively waiting because you know the big bits coming, but you're enjoying what you're getting yeah. there. It's it's yeah. like a dessert, really, isn't it? You're like, oh, I'm not. I've got to eat all this food beforehand, but oh, great, we have got this coming. I'll wait till that comes. We'll still enjoy the food yeah. while we got it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, then 1972 came Honky Chateau. Uh, this was Elton's first number one US album and began the streak of seven consecutive US number one albums. And it could be argued it's because he was a honky. <laughs> it did so well. He was on This album has um, Rocket Man on it. Oh, it's, yeah, it's that it's, early, isn't it? Yeah, one of his biggest, if not his biggest song. Well, I mean, it's well, gonna, of, yeah, within, it's, it's going to get bigger now, obviously, as it's the title of his um, autobiographical film. So it's yeah, be... I don't, th- I don't think commercially it's his biggest, but I think it's the one that's most associated. Well, with no, his, his biggest is Candle in the Wind, yeah. isn't it? So that's that's going to be his biggest, but this yeah. is. Uh, this is him, isn't it? Yeah, I this think. is... He, there's a whole... Um, this is the one that resonates with him most out of all of his songs, I think, isn't it? Rocket Man is one that he... Which is obviously why it was titled. Mm. But it's the one that he feels is, is most related to his struggles and mm. his fight for himself sort of thing. Yeah. I remember reading something... Uh, I was reading about the song and um, someone <laughs> was writing this review and they were like, oh, and in the lyrics you've got... Um, this bit where he says... I'm going to be high as a kite um, by then, and that that could be a reference to uh, smoking weed or getting high, but uh, it's it's never been confirmed. It's like, come on, are you, are you? It's alluded to. Oh, yeah. Maybe he's just elated by life. Who knows? That's, but it's 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 clear what it is, and absolutely clear. But the strangest thing I found about this, obviously, is the fact that he isn't the one writing the lyrics. He's not. No. It's someone else writing. And most of the time they worked together, were they? They'd be... No, they weren't for the start. They were, I think they were by At now. At this point they were, but there was there were times where they're not even together. He's just yeah. writing, sending them lyrics and then he's creating them. Yeah. And... I guess the ones that didn't resonate with him. They didn't come out, which right. is obviously why he's using yeah. them. I am interested to see 
if he ever kept those ones that didn't resonate with him and they've been worked with other people. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, he has done collaborations with other things. I know that like um, a few people have shown up on his albums where it's like he's never been credited. Yeah, yeah. But it's like I think Gary Barlow does a backing vocal on vocal on one of them, and he's okay. I think he did something like Michael Jackson or someone. Mm, he was good. He was good. Um, he did a lot of collaboration with John Lennon actually. Um, is this Elton, sorry, or is this... This uh, Elton, yeah. Oh, I was talking more about uh, oh. Torpin, because obviously there's all those ones which oh, weren't okay, selected. Right, It'd be yeah. interesting to see those lyrics given to someone else to see if anything resonates with anyone else and they can do something with it. But I, I think they've got quite an interesting dynamic anyway, haven't they? That's, that's... They do. Well, yeah, he's, he's always referred to as his brother, isn't it? Rather than like a relationship yeah. kind of relationship. <laughs> sorry, I've, I've pulled us right off the tracks there. Um, so in 19... 19- uh, 73 bought Don't Shoot Me I'm Only the Piano Player which I really like as an album title uh, on that the biggest hit from that was uh, Crocodile Rock do you yeah. like Crocodile Rock? I like Crocodile Rock I mean it's utilised on I'm not going to talk about the film right now but it's utilised really well and it's, it's, it's a real upbeat build that gets the people the people going for it so it's It'd be a great one to open like shows with. Yeah. It's one of those ones, or to end the show, it's everyone's leaving on a really high note. It's... I love Crocodile Rock. It's, it is, I think it's my favourite um, Elton John song. Well, we'll talk about our favourites at the end of this, because I'm, I'm pretty sure that's not your favourite, but we'll, we'll, we'll get there. I think it is. No, I, I, I think I can argue that another one's your favourite song, but I'm not going to not spoil it now. Okay. <laughs> Go ahead, oh, sorry. <laughs> but... Um... Oh God! Yeah, no, I know exactly which one you're talking about. Yes, we will discuss that because that is obviously my favourite. Um, but yeah, no, uh, Crocodile Rock. I it holds a special place because I I have vivid memories of. I'm sure you have like memories of certain albums and songs mm-hmm. like this where you you like your parents put them on for like long drives around wherever like right. something going on. Let's in put the it car. this way: when we had long drives in the car. Especially to like France, my dad would buy Irish folk tunes and stick them in <laughs> on a cassette, uh, like a little Classic. thing. And that's the sort of songs we had. We didn't get anything good music. Oh. We had, we had, um, No Name Never, <laughs> um, Cockles and Muscles. Like, <laughs> oh, okay. right. We had those as our memories. So any music, I think for you, uh, is probably resonate in a yeah. better way than what we had. I've, um, yeah, I have vivid memories of listening to uh, Crocodile Rock. After a, a day out in London with the family, we were driving back. Yeah, oh, nice, nice. nice memories. So I guess that. So yeah, but that's it. So I'm probably it? slightly biased on my. Um... You are, I think, in general, because I think you've got a different sort of musical upbringing to me. So you're going to have more Elton John present whilst I've got. Oh yeah, <laughs> well, well, yeah. So not just Irish folk students. It's obviously more stuff like my dad was put from the punk and things like that. So there was a bit yeah. more eighties sort of uh, ska music. There was all that coming through. So there's going to be more songs like that that resonate with me, whilst this is going to be more the. And that's a big thing with music, isn't it? And film and everything is mm. where you were at the time. It's got that sort of um, yeah, it's just, memory. It's nostalgia. Yeah, it's, yeah, everything's overlaid with something else. It's not just remembering that, it's remembering what yeah. was the emotion that surrounded the It's not necessarily how much you, you value the song as much as you value the moment. Yeah, so I think Crocodile Rock is a good song. It's enjoyable. And I think it's great. Yeah, so <laughs> that's, that's the way it's going to be. Um, so the, these, these albums are coming out year after year and there were like they are churning out so quickly um and so don't shoot me i'm only the piano player came out at the start of 1973 and it's a us number one album 
So he's saying that in October that year, he released what is probably his best album, like critically regarded, mm. it is. Uh, and I'd agree. Um, it remained at number one for two months. It is, of course, Goodbye Yellow Brick Road. And this album has four of his biggest hits on it. You've got Goodbye Yellow Brick Road, Benny and the Jets, Saturday Night's Alright, and the original Candle in the Wind. Yeah, which obviously was right originally done for Madonna, wasn't it? Marilyn Monroe. Oh, Marilyn Monroe, not Madonna. He didn't like Madonna. He did not like Madonna. <laughs> uh, Marilyn Monroe, um, but then it was obviously repackaged and made a lot of money when... Uh, it was, yeah. When he was, he was died, commissioned to repackage it. We can talk about that a bit later. But there's a lot of good songs you, in there. Yeah, um, so... That's probably my least favourite of the four. Your least favourite? Of the four that you've mentioned. Kind of, of those, yeah. Really? Yeah, I... I don't think it's... It's it's obviously again it's, it's like again it's your song and things like that. It's, that's nice. So yeah. If I had a choice, I'd always listen to your song over uh, yeah, Candle Wind, that sort of thing. Whilst the others are a bit more individual in his back catalog, they they've got something that stands out about them. Just the way they put together, like uh, Benny and the Jets has um, a completely different composition together. It's not just Benny and the Jets um, is, is a real curveball. And it is, and, and that's and I, I that's why it stands out for me. And it's one of the songs I really enjoy. It was one of the um, one of the songs he chose to play at Live Aid. Oh, was it? Yeah, I did not know that. But yeah, there's a what were the other two on there as well? Sorry, you had so you had Goodbye Electric Road, obviously, yeah, which is great. Um, I love it's that's one of my favorites. Mm. I think it's the the as 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 I said to you earlier, I'm not going to attempt the note, but that I think that you should. Is, I think. I, Beautiful. That was. I gotta be honest. I'm tearing up a little bit. Oh, here. Oh, I don't. I don't want to ruin the electronics and cryo. Let's <laughs> stop with that. But that that note is, I think, it's really synonymous cool. with him, isn't it? It's that yeah. sort. Of, it's one of those ones you recognise as oh, Selton. Yeah. I, I wouldn't want to hear him do it now. No, I agree. I think there are certain singers that you you don't want to see him live at this point. Yeah. I think. A lot of that sort of era of singers, you, you, you wouldn't like to see. I, I would have loved to see Bowie live in yeah. his later years. I reckon he would have still had it. Billy Joel apparently still has it, although he does more composing now. He does like operas. Mm. But I think Elton John's, the, the years have taken their toll on his voice. Definitely. I mean, like Springsteen, for example. Yeah. You can still see and you're going to get the same show you would have got 40 years ago. Yeah. It's, it's, it's going to be the same. But it's the style and yeah. the showmanship is how they're done differently, isn't it? I think the showmanship with Elton would still be good. He's still, he still he, loves. He's not going to do. He's not going to do his iconic kick up for, whilst I'm no. playing the piano, is <laughs> no, he? Like, he's, he's, he's horizontal. He's not. Um, but yeah, and then Saturday Night's All Right, which is a great song. I really like Saturday Night's yeah. All Right, and the, the use of it in the film. We'll talk about that later. But I really mm. enjoyed that. I think that was one of the standout moments. Um, so after this, in 1974, he set up his own label, the Rocket Record Company, and this wasn't touched on in the film. So I know this will be new for you, and I think this is really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, he signed to it acts including Kiki D. So okay, that was how, Kiki D that was how he brought her in. Um, however, instead of releasing his music on his own label, he decided to he'd make more money taking an eight million dollar contract with MCA. Right. Um, and later that year, MC actually released Elton John's Greatest Hits album. Right. In 1974, they released a Greatest Hits album. Like, 
knowing how much has come. What, 1974? Oh, so it's, it's only. So it's, at that point, five four years. years. Four years into 69 three. was his first one, wasn't it? 69 first recording. Oh, okay. Years. So you've had four years worth of. Music. And he's music. already got enough for a record label to want to print. But then the again, by then, what's he got? Like nine albums out? Yeah, set as seven. So you didn't. Yeah, you, something like that. You didn't honour the three every year then in this contract. Maybe. Okay. I've I only found. Yeah, because I think they, maybe, they were, the, maybe they were like filler albums. You know? But even in the um, in the movie, they mentioned he'd done it again seven, so he was still mm. contractually obliged to stay in there. So maybe that's yeah. kind of a bit of dispute came in. So. But yeah, so that's I think that's really interesting. Imagine that, like you've got your own record label, but you go, I'd rather release on another one, and them and for them to then uh, release a best of album whilst yeah. you've signed something else is a strange one because obviously if you were going to release it yourself that's going to be one of your highest earning albums because people want the best of albums so him being signed into a fixed money contract was a good move by MGA I'd I'd argue that your if you were to buy that Greatest Hits album and you were to buy a Greatest Hits album now of Elton John you wouldn't get very different albums no no no, no, I think by then he's he's already. You would get maybe one of his big ones. I'm still standing. You'd get added in there, and a few yeah. others, but not a huge number, would you? Yeah. So, um, in the same year, um, Caribou was released. His album. Um, this was Elton's third UK number one album, and this included the Bitches Back, Don't Let the Sun Go Down on Me. And on the remaster, which came out the year afterwards, it included Step Into Christmas. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. That was that old. Um, I really like The Bitches Back. I thought the, the, the use of it in the film was interesting. Yeah. Um, but it, I, I did enjoy it. Like, I understand why it was done the way yeah, it was in the film. Yeah, but I, do, I, I quite like that song. Um don't let the sun go down on me is pretty classic, but I prefer the the duet, version the duet that he does with um, George Michael. No, that's that is much nicer when he's done it, done it that yeah. way. But then I would argue a lot of songs where he's doing duets and the other person's singing is almost doing a better rendition of what he should <laughs> be doing because I've got my own opinions. I, th- I think when he's younger at this stage, mm. he's got a nice voice. I think. As he gets older, he really should have just been writing for other people. Yeah, that's and then just, I think that's and then you just have him featuring on occasional bits, which but would then, be better. But then the argument is, you, as you said earlier, he's he's just doing the tune. So if you had him off the stage and writing for other people at this point, you'd you'd have lost you'd have lost one some great Elton moments. Yes, that's true. You'd have also lost like it, it, would he he wouldn't be anywhere where near he. Is now yeah, that's true. Where he just writes because all he'd be doing then is composing. If if I'm being honest, I gotta be honest. I think Elton John. I would rather go. See, I would have rather gone see him live than buy one of his albums. Yeah, I think I, I, think, if, I think he's very much a showman, and that's what it was. That was the big like Muse, pun like Muse. Muse are way better live than they are. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I would very very different sort of things, aren't they? they? Are, yeah, I don't no. think they are. It's, it's the it's the uh, it's it's. How much you actually oh, yeah. like the music or think the music is good compared to the performance? And I think they're quite similar because you'd you'd go to an Elton John concert for the spectacle to go along with the music, and as with 
views. You, yeah, you I get go that. there for the light shows. They I'm always. Saying, yeah, I'm just saying they're very different musical. <laughs> totally, I think that's they are. That's that's what I was more going for, rather than saying I reckon, they're, they're different sort of. I reckon lead singers could, could sing most Book. of that John. Chris Bellamy is it? Yes, Chris Bellamy the lead singer. Yeah. Um, yeah. So then in. Uh, 1975, he released an autobiographical album, uh, Captain Fantastic and the Brown Dirt Cowboy. It debuted at number one in the US, and it was the first album to ever debut at number one in the US. It was incredible. Stayed at the top for seven weeks, um, and Elton John, he, he revealed his previously ambiguous personality on the album, and Torpid, but even though it was autobiographical, it still used Torpid's lyrics. Um, and it was it was more autobiographical of their shared days, like right, struggling, struggling to write, struggling to get a label to them. Um, it was those years. It wasn't like Elton John's upbringing. Um, in the same year, he uh, he received his star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Oh, for that low low price. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. This is the now ever since I found out that you have to pay for it, I've, I've it's lost some of its gleam, hasn't it? it? Really, it's it's lost value. It's like a hey, we want to give you this, but only if you give us some money. Fork, fork out for it. It's, like, it's not a lot of money either, which is what we said last time. But it's still like it's yeah, but it's still it's still money. Yeah. Um, it sounds like a scam, doesn't it? You've won. It does. You've it won. Really does. You've won all this money, but you need to give us your bank details and send us a hundred pounds <laughs> so that you release the funds <laughs> into your account. Um, <laughs> Then the year after, he released the single with his signed artist, Kiki D. Don't go breaking my heart. Do you like the song? It's it's one of those songs which you can't escape. It is the karaoke <laughs> song, isn't it? Oh, it's it's the it's the drunk. You guarantee every wedding you go to, the new the new groom, <laughs> the new bride. I'll, I'll check it out tomorrow about a wedding, um, and I will cu- I will report back next week to let you know if this song comes on and they sing. I mean, I'm hoping it's karaoke. If you go to a wedding, there's no karaoke. What's the point in going? Um, but it is one of those songs that you do expect. There, it's like it's like Ebony and Ivory. Is that? Isn't it? It's, you expect them to sort of show up, and it's it's. I think the original's good. The problem is you're you so used to not hearing them sing it, it's tarnished now. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, I, I I like it, but it's overdone. It is. It's lost. It's yeah. lost. It's lost sheen. If yeah. it ever had sheen, I don't know. It, I think it it's was... lost all that tiger blood. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I just think I think it was. It seems like it was always written to be like a. Well, I say a duet, but. But it's, yeah, thanks. <laughs> it's 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 like it, it feels like it was written to be sung by everyone. Yeah, it's yeah. it's one of those easily accessible commercial songs that yeah, just get by. Exactly. It, it be, it's no different to like something you expect to see at number. One. It's like let's look at um, Ed Sheeran and Justin Bieber just released one, which is not great in any mm. stretch of the imagination, but it's there because people will sing it and it will make money, and that's exactly. pretty much what it was. Um, also, it makes more sense to him because he releases it on his record, but he's also getting for his record label, so there's some sort of cross there, so it's more financially. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Genius. So it was with this that um, ended what was his most commercially successful era. And uh, as we've seen, within three years, he had seven number one albums. Um, and then the year afterwards, 1977, he actually announced that he was retiring from performing mm. uh, and brought his production down to one album a year, his contract. Uh, he released a single man in 1978 
and it was at this time that he ended his collaboration with Tolkien. Um, uh, a single man was written by a different lyricist. I did not know that. Yeah, um, but it wasn't. It was an amicable, amicable split. Yeah, split. They, they, like they, they, he decided he wanted to work with other writers, and Tolkien wanted a break from writing. Yeah, he did. Yeah, um, it, was, it was for his mental health as well, wasn't it, Tolkien? He just yeah, couldn't, he, he, couldn't, he, he couldn't keep up. It, yeah. Um, so, it. <laughs> yeah, that was couldn't make it through with all these problems rather these than just a, rather than break from mental health. He just could hack it. Um, he, so that was 1977. He announced that he was retiring from performing. It did not last long because in 1979 he became the first Western artist to tour the Soviet Union and Israel. I mean, that's that's the big ones, isn't it? It's Madison Square Garden and then. Soviet Union. Soviet Union, yeah. You want to, the Kremlin. That's those are the two. Those are the two ones, and, he, and then and then the Weeping Wall. That's the, that's the third on the list. Right. <laughs> so because he was the first Westerner to tour, he was the first rich Westerner that a lot of these Russians had seen. Right. So it's like Soviets because at the time it was more yeah, Russia. Yeah. Um, and he is actually what is he is attributed with starting. The Russian luxury fashion movement of that really garish look because they assumed that was how everyone in the West was dressed, so they wanted that because they went, that's what the rich people look like. And that's why you get these really, there are a lot throughout of, like the 80s, you get these really garish luxury there Russian. There are a lot of reasons to hate Elton John, and I never thought it'd be one of them would be for <laughs> introducing Russian fashion. But... <laughs> I think I think it might be topping why I don't, <laughs> don't like certain uh, elements of his life. I think it's incredible to be that much of an influencer just by being there that you created just by being there. there. Because he went and that so the mind, that was that was also him <laughs> saying that was also him saying like giving the finger to the US who had put a boycott on any commercial um, uh, commercial. What, what am I looking for? I don't know. I'm going to let you flounder out there. <laughs> Just past the Iron Curtain. I'll let you yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm on the other side now. Yeah, um, it's, just, it's boycott on any commercial interaction. Yeah, it was, it was, it was yeah, any trans-Soviet sort of works, isn't it? It's trying some. It was all focused just in Western markets. Yeah, so he so he did that. He did it in Israel as well. Um, and then the year after, it seems like the US didn't hold a grudge because a year after he performed a free concert in Central Park, to which four hundred thousand people turned up. A free Elton John concert. Well, I can see that. I mean, if That's someone phenomenal. if someone said there was a free Elton John concert going on down the, like somewhere just near down the, the road, down, <laughs> down the road, even even if it was like oh, it's it's, it's in in London or something, it's gonna be free. You know, just pay for the travel. Yeah, I'll yeah. go down there. Easy. Yeah, I I yeah, I I'd be there. I'd absolutely be there. Do you reckon? What do you reckon the vibe was like in an Elton John concert at that time? I reckon most people what, were, high, is, yeah. were high. Were high as High as a kite. High as a kite. <laughs> that's, a, that's a subtle lyric. It is. I mean, not many people get it. Most people think it's because he's got um, a little tail with bows on it. <laughs> um, so in, then in 1983, he regrouped with his former backing bands. They were known as the Elton John Band, um, who he recorded most and done he's, his original tours. He with. thought a lot about that name as well, didn't he? Uh, he honestly, <laughs> Elton John album by Elton John <laughs> and Band. Like, Elton John Band. Easy. Like, why, why if it broke, <laughs> why didn't they just call it like Bluesology or whatever his previous band was called? Copyright. I'm not. They weren't really putting anything out though, were they? 
Oh, there's, there's a song with 72,000 hits on Which Spotify. Which is him. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so he uh, regrouped with his former backing band and they released the album Too Low for Zero, which included the appropriately named I'm Still Standing. And uh, along with, I guess that's why they call it the blues. Is that just after his rehab stint as well? Or is, did they get that wrong in, in the movie? Uh, I think it was just after his rehab stint. Um because yeah, there's there's three there's three so the free concert in Central Park was nineteen eighty, this is nineteen eighty three. So this is after this is after the rehab then. So he's this is after he's gone and sorted himself out and Yeah, because he's what he's been so for twenty eight years now. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, twenty eight years, yeah. Going to eighty yeah, eighty one. Eighty one has been that yeah. makes sense. And that's um, impressive in itself to be honest. It's, that's commendable to manage to do that. Yeah, that's a long time. Uh, so yeah, so he regrouped, um, and uh, I guess that's why they call it the blues. I found this out. Um, I think it's a great song. That's why they call it this. And then in the film, it's like one of the first songs you. Yeah, he he plays a tiniest bit of it as a demo in the film, and it and it just gets it gets lost along with "Candle in the Wind." To be fair, but, but then that's also why I think. But that's that... because they couldn't. If if you look at when it the film ends with spoilers. Film ends with the, him getting out rehab, and so it ends about So it so it ends when this was released. So and prior to the the large coming of yeah. uh, Candle in the Wind, so it makes sense that they were thrown in. We also one. forgot to preface this episode by saying there may be some terrible singing throughout it, but oh, yeah. just just accept it. Sing along, and um, we'll put the lyrics up, but not actually because we'll probably be done for copyright in some way. Yes, we're not. <laughs> Yeah, it's not. It's not video. <laughs> we'll put the lyrics in the description yeah, with some time codes. <laughs> you can see random points. And um, yeah, so I guess that's why they call it the blues. Actually, features Stevie Wonder on the harmonica. Of all the things you need know, Stevie Wonder to play, but then he's going to play the piano. Is he on Elton John? <laughs> I think of them like you know, like dueling banjos, but with pianos instead. Oh, that would have been cool. I think they have that. It could have been that Daffy Duck Bugs Bunny one where they're busy playing against each other <laughs> and he won't hit the right notes and then Daffy hit, yeah. And basically, yeah, he actually he caused some controversy by breaking the UN cultural boycott on South Africa by playing at the Sun City venue. And this was obviously it's during apartheid. Apartheid, yeah. He, he just doesn't really care, does he? Let's he be honest, Elton John just does. He goes where the music takes him. I respect that. <laughs> Um, I just wanted to make sure that everyone's aware that we don't respect apartheid. Just no. respect. <laughs> yeah, obviously. We, right. res- we respect people's right to do what they want to do as yeah. long as it's okay. I-, I don't know. I don't know if that's the right thing to have done. To gone no, there I don't. I don't time. know if I agree with that. Going to the Soviet Union during the time of the Cold War when nothing's really happening, I don't have an issue. That's that's fine. But I think going there to whilst apartheid. Well, you're, yeah, you're, you're making money off. Uh, segregation society that yeah. is following is that. Yeah, I wonder. I didn't know if I wonder if his concert was segregated or only white people. You got to imagine it's going to have to be because it doesn't matter what he feels. It's going to be down yeah. to the laws of the country at the time. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So at this time, as his uh, as his closet of clothes kept growing, <laughs> so did his metaphorical one. And in 1984, he married uh, Renate Bloel. She was the German sound engineer. His marriage lasted all three years. That was done differently in the film as well, wasn't it? Because he gets married in the film as well, and that's before yeah, that he was... was. Oh yeah, oh, it happens yeah, before right. his. Um... 
thing, but I think they wanted just to put that in there so he yeah, can, he can he make an apology to her because of what have happened, because of how he treated her during that time. But yeah, uh, so that that lasted for three years. Okay. Um, and then in 1985, he joined many other great performers at the time by taking to the stage at Live Aid. He performed Benny at the Jets, Rocket ah. Man, and even got Kiki D up to sing Don't Go Breaking My Heart. Right. I see why you knew that he played uh, Benny the Jets <laughs> Live Aid now. Well, that's also if you if you go on Spotify, that's the um, the little video. You know how they like have a little, little video videos in there. It's him at Live Aid when he was Benny the Jets. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. I'll, I'll probably check that. Um, and he finished the set by bringing on George Michael to sing "Don't Let the Sun Go Down on Me" as a duet, and then left the stage to George Michael. Yeah. That first that first Live Aid concert must have been. Something to behold, really. Amazing. I honestly, I think it's it's one of those places where if, if you give it a time machine, you go. It's I'd love to have been there. It's strange that obviously Live Aid happened not long after he'd gone and visited South Africa, so showing sort of a callousness mm. to how people have been treated in there. To then maybe it was because that's part of the reason he was involved in Live Aid because he sort yeah, of it was. It was had right. to because it was two of, two years later. But it's almost like as a could be seen as an apology for what he did there as well. Yeah, he'd be involved, but who knows. I may be reading too much into that. <laughs> so, that listen, as we said, the music takes him where he wants to. <laughs> the music takes him at this time. It took him to the live eight. Um, then 1987, he won a libel case against the son who had accused him of having sex with rent boys publicly. Not well, publicly having was, sex. Oh, he, he wasn't doing... They, um, they released he wasn't doing a huge rent. page news, no. Yeah, imagine that, the defamation. Well, you say that, there's another thing recently, isn't there? I don't know if you're going to go into that. There's a whole defamation case against someone. Um, last year? Was it last year? Where they apparently had a new story about someone, um, and it turns out it was about Elton John, and he, he managed to get with the health, so he didn't get released to the public. Oh, as defamation. Yeah. He's, he's been, there's several cases where he's managed to win these sort of... That seems odd, though, because he's... Unless, unless they're referring to older people, because like, by all I accounts, he's... He's happily married and has been for. I think well, it was. I think it was in response to all the things that had happened. But no, it, it might be in the same thing again. You never know. Maybe. Um, in the years to follow, he made he played many sold out gigs, collaborated on lots of songs, appeared at Freddie Mercury's tribute gig to play the show must go on, and even played Bohemian Rhapsody with the remaining members of Queen and Guns N' Roses all on stage at the same time. That would have been. A sight to behold. Imagine. It's got to be better than how they are now. I saw Guns N' Roses, I think, about five years ago, and it was a oh, did you, bloody yeah. mess. Absolutely useless. <laughs> well, it would seem, it would seem that um, him and Axl Rose get on quite well. He, They've was, got the same fashion sense. Well, was he, it, <laughs> Axl Rose was the one who inducted him into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Really? Yeah, in 1984 he did that. Um, Going back, uh, in 1982, he set up the Elton John AIDS Foundation and has since raised over $200 million. Brilliant. That's like... I've got nothing to say bad about that. <laughs> also, no. It's great that he's doing it. It's, um... Well, he, he, he says that he um, he sees himself as very much one of the lucky ones because yeah. he used to practice unprotected sex as he, as he is said plays, as he used to have sex with anything that moved yeah. no matter what it yeah. was at the time which I think is the case of a lot of people who were in the rock industry or music industry at that time I mean it may mm. not have changed that much now but mm. at that time it very much was drugs sex and rock and roll which is very yeah. much where so it comes that from that is Elton John yeah and that was <laughs> Elton John so um, he is one of the lucky ones to have avoided yeah and the health scare so then in 2000 
2000, not jumping that far ahead, 1993, he released the album Duets. And what song is on this album? Every duet that he's ever done, I can tell There's you. There's a special song on this album that we have spoken about. You're asking me to remember. It As I said, the I'm not Elton John. RuPaul. Oh, the RuPaul <laughs> duet with Elton John. I've never, I mean, I like Drag Race, and I like seeing two queens sing against each other, but this was not what I wanted to hear. No, it, it is like a, it is like a 90s house yeah. remix of Don't Let the Sun Go Down on Me. Which, I mean, on paper sounds amazing. And I, I thoroughly think that everyone should check it out. If everyone, if there's people who argue that Elton John doesn't do bad songs, oh, this is one of the ones. Definitely check this check out, this and out. you will go. All right, we we'll take it all back. <laughs> um, in the same year, he began his relationship with David Furnish. In 2005, they were among the first to get a civil partnership in the UK, and then in 2014, they were wed when gay marriage was made legal. They were one of the first actually to do so. Um, yeah, pretty pioneering of the yeah it was it was it was almost immediately wasn't it after it became legal they got married it was it was it was very much to make it clear that this is what it is now this is acceptable which is which is interesting because when he had when he got the civil partnership uh two years after that there were talks of making gay marriage legal and elton john actually said i don't like the idea of gay people getting married because Marriage is like between a man and a woman, isn't it? It's yeah, also, it was, it's also that religious. No, it wasn't. Was it? Not, not in a religious concept. He was just like civil partnerships is something that gay people have, and that's their thing. It's part of their identity. It's, it's, it's yeah, and he didn't want to didn't want to muddy the water, sort of thing between the two. Yeah, it was more to came two thousand and twelve, and he said actually, gay marriage is great. Cool. Um. Yeah. So. Then in, two, uh, in 1994, along with Tim Rice, he wrote the songs for The Lion King. And I love The Lion King. I absolutely love The Lion King <laughs> growing up. It's one of those ones, um, whenever I auditioned, I, when I was younger, I'd always be singing Hakuna Matata. That'd be one of my songs. It'd always be coming <laughs> out there. I know everyone talks about the, uh, the Circle of Life being the big song. And it is, because it's the opening one. Which is not sung by him. I mean, you hear his song in the credits, don't you, when he's actually singing the song. This is yeah. where the credits roll, you hear his version, which is actually different to the version that they sing yeah. at the beginning. Um, I only know this because I was listening to it a couple of nights ago, and I was trying to sing along, and I was definitely singing the wrong words with it. <laughs> but I, I, yeah, I enjoyed it. And then obviously he went on to write the music for the uh, show version. Is it that much different, though? I don't know, have you seen the show? Have you not seen the show? Have you? No, I've never seen I, It's one of those ones I've always wanted to go to see. And every time you go, God, look at the price of the tickets for that. It's been going, oh, for, yeah. it's been going for 30 years. Why does it need to be charging that many get that much for it? As I said, it's the, it's the um, Sergio Ali, it's the highest grossing West End show ever. And I think that's just because the ticket prices have never gone down and it's been going for 25 years. Is it actually 25 years? No, 20. No, so it came out. It came out in '94. The film. So um, the musical we said was came out the year after in Broadway, about two years after in the in the yeah, West End. So '97. So, 97, so, so. 12, 22 years. Same year as Diana. So it was a big year for Elton John that year. Yeah, it name. was. Yes. Yeah, so funny enough, it's the next year we're talking about. <laughs> um, in 1997, he was contracted with um, 
Bernie Taupin. <laughs> where you were going with that one? Contracted with Con- swine flu. <laughs> to revise the lyrics to Candle in the Wind to honour Diana. It became the fastest and the biggest selling single of all time, eventually selling 33 million copies worldwide, the best selling in UK chart history. However, it is not the uh, highest selling ever. It's second highest. Can you guess what the highest selling song ever is? I actually is? know this one. Yeah? Yeah. It's White Christmas, isn't it? It is. It's, it's, it's the highest one, yeah. Which, and that was 1954? Yeah, so it had... Did I actually get the year right for that? It had 40, 40 years on him. Was it 1954? Oh, I don't know. If I, I'm going to check it out now. If I manage to guess that and pluck that out of the air, I will be very pleased with myself. And even if it's not, I'm going to say it is, because you're not checking. So, um... <laughs> Nineteen fifty four White Christmas came out. Did it actually? It actually came out nineteen fifty four. Bravo. I know. Bravo. What a pointless bit of information I had stuck in my head there. But yeah, uh, the song the song's proceeds of approximately fifty five million pounds were all donated donated to charities specified by the Diana Diana Princess of Wales Memorial Fund. Um, He also won a Grammy that year for Best Male Vocal Performance in a Song. Uh, and the song Something About The Way You Look Tonight was released alongside it as a double A-side because he oh, wanted really? to release that as a single and he went for some good time to put them together. Put them oh, I like that. Yeah. I think they're good. That's the thing. They're, they're good good songs. They are. So. They're good songs. They're both yeah, similar. Yeah, they're, well. they're not the sort of song I'd normally listen to, but I think it's a real nice sort of tribute to to what had happened, the, the sort of yeah. tragedy that had occurred. So I, no. well, it's, it's it's interesting that you the parallels were drawn, obviously because it's with like Marilyn Monroe, the mm. stardom and tragedy of stardom. Yeah, yeah, and so look, have you have you you've watched the UK Office, haven't you? I have seen the UK Office. Yeah. Do you remember the bit with Candle in the Wind? Ricky Gervais tries to cheer up um, Dawn. By singing "Candle in the Wind," she I goes, don't recall this at all. Oh, it's amazing! They're, she's she's upset because her relationship with the um, the oh, I forgot what his name is. The bloke who's the worker downstairs has gone yeah. and tits up, and um, <laughs> he's singing it to her, and she, she she's like, "This is Candle in the Wind. How does this relate to me?" And Mackenzie Crooks sat next to her. He goes, "Well, you know." about Princess Diana so uh, you know, Paris City of Love you're in a relationship and car crash well your relationship's a bit of car crash it's a comedy I love it Mackenzie Crook's great he's I love like, it. He's, <laughs> he's so he does good. it so well and then obviously you then uh, skip to Martin Freeman who I imagine is doing his standard sort of sigh and eye roll <laughs> at the camera <laughs> it's brilliant I love it but yeah so, sorry that's, that's a total Oh yeah, that was. Uh, you don't want to say pretty much off piece. You, know, <laughs> you don't want to say it's going off the tracks or off the road. Really, there it's not. <laughs> um, Bit of a speed bump. <laughs> oh. Anyway, let's get back on track, shall back we? Back on track. Back on track. Um, by 2000, uh, Elton had decided. Oh, this you'll like this. By, no. by the year 2000, Elton had decided he didn't like appearing in his own music videos. So you got to get someone else to do it. You should have made that decision earlier. Who? who you are absolutely This meant that we were treated to Justin Timberlake playing a young Elton in the video for This Train Don't Stop There Anymore. 
and Robert Downey Jr. lip syncing uh, for the video I Want Love. See, I'm almost wanting us to pause the podcast now so I can watch things and we can just have a quick chat about them. Do you want to? Yeah, we're going to pause the podcast, right? You won't even notice we were gone. And we're back and you wouldn't even notice we were gone, would you? <laughs> it's, um, yeah, that was something. That was definitely something. Yeah. I don't know what to take from that, do you? <laughs> um, let's go so, back. We'll which, do, which, we'll which, do which one came out first? Which one came out first? Those two songs. Uh, I think... This train has stopped there anymore. No, so, no. Oh. It's a man. Right, we'll start, with, we'll start with Justin Timberlake because that's, I think, more to discuss, right? really. Yeah. Um, what, what, what happened there? <laughs> it, it felt like a parody video. That was... Um... Yes, it did. It felt yeah, very much like, very much, as you said, SNL. It felt like they were doing an SNL yeah. thing where there were no laughs in it. Yeah. Um, the makeup on him was at least they're honest about him thinning hair at the top I mean it's, it's one of those things you couldn't really hide and they put some fake teeth it in it was him. quite convincing to be fair but still felt wrong yeah I don't know why why you wouldn't just put someone else in doing it why it had to be Justin Timberlake because he would have sung it nicer um, and then the Robert Downey Jr. one where he just was wandering around the it's, house it's literally just him lip syncing around an empty house without caring that he's there yeah. it felt like it was community service for him it's really sad <laughs> it, it wasn't good I'm glad we stopped and I hope you did as well <laughs> yes god that go was... look at them if you, if you haven't stop now and go look at them <laughs> or stopped when we did I mean come on guys <laughs> <laughs> work with us so then at the 2000 so we that's at the 2000s uh 2001 Grammys, Elton performed with uh, Eminem, or Stan. What do we think of this version? This is a perfect... <laughs> it's like a squeaky toy, which has got, gone flat. It doesn't really work. It's all staccato. Um, it's not great. I'd rather have Dido be singing it. Um, this, was the, this is the point where I start, really, in my mind, of being aware of Elton John more so. Because yeah, I agree. Yeah, because it was the he time was on, like, was on curtain call, that sort of thing. It yeah, like... it's, it's when I'm buying albums myself and he's appearing on them, yeah. and I was like, "What the yeah. hell have I got here?" Uh, then 2003 came his fifth number one ever. So, so he's singles good with albums, wise, singles not great. Single, yeah, good with albums. His singles did well. Generally, every single that we've said was like top ten. Just never. But this was his fifth number one. And in 2003, he gets it. Do you know what it is? With a little ghetto gospel. <laughs> it's not. Ah, it's no. not. It's, are you ready for love? Ready. Are you ready for love? <laughs> yes, I that was 2003. Oh, that came out. I thought it was way older. <laughs> it feels like an older song. It feels like a much older song. Um, no, it's, been, it's one of those songs I forgot about, but it might be one of my favourite songs he's done. <laughs> It actually might be, and it should be. Yeah, yeah it's it really nice. It's, it's good, it's good, yeah, it's catchy. It is good. Um, so, 2005, composed the music for the West End production, Billy Elliot. Uh, it's now the 11th longest running musical on the West End. And they just had their next number one, haven't they? The most recent one, with Bad Guy. <laughs> that was appalling. That was appalling. Yes, it was. Duh. It wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> um, in the same year, 2005, he appeared on the posthumously released Tupac single Ghetto Gospel. 
the song that he like was featured with on it was Indian Sunset. So right. we'll discuss the two of them. Indian Sunset, I, I had not <laughs> heard of before today, actually. Um, I listened to it because, uh, well, Josh said, oh, I'm going to be talking about this song because it's with Ghetto Gospel. So I was like, all right, I'll, I'll check it out. I didn't realise that Ghetto Gospel was sampling another track. I thought it was written for yeah. Ghetto Gospel. And it's such a good opening. And it is. I, I think it's... Opens it really well. I think Ghetto Gospel is phenomenal. It's, like, it's a great song. Great. Giving birth to a baby. <laughs> of course he's giving birth to a baby. A cat? Who knows what's going on? I mean, that'd be a more interesting um, story. But it's Indian Sunset. It's about a Native American. Yeah, he's And his shot. life. And he's being shot. The, the, very, the very end of it is uh, uh, a piece to this young warrior... Without the sound of guns, and then it's it now makes it now makes sense taking that and putting it yeah. in the two parts. If you listen to the whole of Indian uh, Sunset, yeah, he's it, saying Indian Summer, which is definitely not, summer. which is what we're all hoping for. But Indian Sunset, it it makes so much sense for in comparison to the life of two parts. Yeah, I think, I think it's a really it was a really good choice. If I'm honest, I, how someone ever plucked that out of the back catalogue and went, yeah, this works for. Tupac, I will never know, but that it is. It's it is. It's it's about like I think, didn't Tupac die clutching a vinyl of it? Goodbye, Yellow Brick Road. Who was it? Was on uh, which one was that on? I said it earlier. It was on the um, Man Man Across the Water. Well, the second his second album. I thought it was his fourth album. It was on second album. Second album was no, Man second, Man, uh, Man, uh, Man uh, Across the Water. It was Elton John the Man Man Across the Water. No. But yeah, it's one of those songs that you listen to, and I I always listened for thinking that he'd created those words for it because it was it was relating to the life of it. It's it's quite a strange song though, Indian Sunset, because he's embodying the life of this Native American going through yeah through hardships and but through a Western invasion. It is it is from the second album. It's from the second album. Yeah. Okay, um, but yeah, it's it's a weird one, and it is, and it's. And this, what is it? The, the last lyric is, and this, and this <coughs> hero's, this hero's end comes with a, a bullet hole, something like that. Yeah, it's, it's one of those. It's I, I love Ghetto Gospel. It, I yeah. was I was that fat little white kid singing it, wandering around the halls of my school. Well, it's okay, you can sing the Elton John part. <laughs> I didn't want to sing. I just want to shout the word "baby" over and over again. It's, that's, that's the bit I really take from that song. It's, it's put together so well, though. That's the thing. The song is well-crafted from beginning to yeah, end. Yeah, and I don't know if you noticed, but, like, the... Um, uh, the And Peace to This Young Warrior Without the Sound of Guns. Yeah. That's split. In, it's from two in, different... It's from two different parts of Indian Sunset. The, the final lyric is, Peace to This Young Warrior Comes from a Bullet Hole. Yeah. Is the final lyric. And then earlier on it says, Without the Sound of Guns. Is, is mashed in together, and it, it's seamless, isn't it? It is. I mean, almost as seamless as us going off to watch some videos, but it's, yeah, it, almost, almost, but really well done. I didn't realise any of this when I listened to it, and the fact that you maybe listened to it has given me a bit more kudos to the song "Ghetto Gospel" mm. than what I thought of before. Mm. Not because I didn't think it was good; it's just the way that they've pulled this from the back catalog. They created it just yeah. for for this song. Brilliant. So if you if you haven't listened to it, listen to Indian Sunset. It might bring a bit of appreciation. It is like six minutes long, but it's yeah. good. It's a it's a whole story. But you just get to listen to Elton John 
being a Native American. <laughs> and, if, and if you get bored at any point during the song, just shout the word baby and you feel like you're listening to... Exactly, Tupac himself. Yeah. Tupac is in the room, back from the dead. He is indeed. <clears throat> he never dies. <laughs> it's all a cover up. Oh, God, he's in Argentina. Uh, what with Hitler? <laughs> I'd watch that TV show, that odd couple. I'm picturing it now. I'm picturing them on like, um, what's it? Master Roshini's Island. What's his name? Master Master Roshi. Oh, right, yeah. Yeah, his little island where he's got the hut and nothing else. I'm picturing yes. two fucking Hitler in there. Well, and the picture on the front of his in with their packs. Yeah. <laughs> packs oh, like, oh, I can't believe. <laughs> Um, so since uh, since 2005 he's done many gigs for charity for events he hasn't released much um, in 2013 he received the first Brits Icon Award for lasting impact on the culture of the United Kingdom which I think is an absolutely fair yeah. award to give that man he is I mean he's been consistently in the like frontlining the music business since the 70s. Yeah, and he's, he's been synonymous with the UK, hasn't he? That's the thing. Yeah. He, he's never, he's moved across and really been in America. He, he's, it's not like Rod Stewart. Like, Rod Stewart yeah. is like, lives in America, it feels American now. But Elton John's always felt British. It feels, it feels like British. a British yeah. story. Um, then more recently, 2015, uh, he launched a boycott of Dolce & Gabbana after they labelled children born through IVF synthetic. Um, which and it's odd that Dolce and Gabbana picked this fight because they they so the two of them were in a relationship. Dolce and Gabbana, both men, and Stefano Gabbana and Domenico Dolce, I believe is the names. Um, and despite being in a relationship, they've said that they're opposed to same-sex marriage and even more so opposed to same-sex families. Well, I mean, everyone's entitled to their own opinion, I suppose, isn't it? But it's, I think going, regardless of how you feel about whether your your lifestyle should be responded in certain ways, whether they should mm. be marriage or something, the fact that you're saying that anyone that's created like IVF or anything like that yeah. is not a real person, is it's a different stance entirely. Yeah, exactly. Which... And, and, it's not, and it's not like you're even targeting your same-sex family ideologies with that. It's, the, there are loads of people who use IVF. There were same-sex. Same sex. Uh, well, no, uh, different yeah. sex. Yeah, those who are just struggling to, yeah. to do it in I any think, natural I think, I think it's absolutely appalling. It is. Um, and that's why I've never bought... <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I did used to have a pair of D&G shoes at one point. Did you? Yeah. Emma, I know, has, has, um, since... She was the one who actually told me about this. She said, are you going to mention that? And I, I hadn't realised it had happened because... I mean, let's be honest. You were dripping in Ed Hardy at the time, so you didn't. (laughs) Um, But yeah, he. I just yeah, I I know that I won't ever buy it. I won't, but that's for other reasons. That's because I'm cheap. That's fair. If I get in Primark, Primark, I'll get in Primark, which is not a good thing to buy because that's also child slavery. But that's a different thing. That's a different. different. Tune into our next podcast. (laughs) Um, Yeah, and then. 2017, he played himself in Kingsman the Golden Circle, <laughs> alongside the man who is now playing him in Rocket Man. So, yeah. what, what do we think of Kingsman and will lead into? Rocket he doesn't. Man? He doesn't do much in it. To be honest, he's good in there. I like him when he does that. Brandon doesn't kick. do a lot. He saves the day. He does, <laughs> and 
But he's there just as like a, a captive slave, isn't he? Essentially, yeah. who sings dressed in like ridiculous outfits, like he was before. Do not hurt Elton. <laughs> it's like when he it's when he jumps and he does the fly kick, wasn't it? <laughs> it's, it's brilliant. Beautiful. Um, I don't think, but I, I mean, I enjoyed the film. It's not as good as the first Kingsman film. No. Um, there's a third one coming up, which is gonna I'm very excited. It's gonna round off the trilogy with. Oh, is that it? Yeah, it's the end of Eggsy. That's the last one. Eggsy's cool. gonna be in. Um, I think in the. Not graphic novels, obviously, they continue the Kingsman past Eggsy, but Eggsy was like the start point. Kingsman was only, was only the, unless they've released a few that I'm unaware of. I've, I, I'm I've, sure. got, I've got the original one. I thought they'd, the released, original one I thought they'd released more, but I might be, I might be wrong. <laughs> um, yeah, I've got it um, back home, and it's it just finishes with um, basically the end of the film. Regardless, it's just the end of it. And Elton John is fine in it. He doesn't have to do much. He is a bit, I can't really act, but I'm here in there. It's just, it's, I liked it. It was, it was just. But he was, um, ha- he was also how we expect Elton John to be. Yeah, he was. He was great. And he was, he was loud mouthed. Foul mouthed, angry, yeah. and just a bit of a dick, really, yeah, wasn't he? But he was great. That's what, which is realistically what you expect him to be with, with all his, how people. Envision him from even how he was back in the eighties and yeah. like the seventies. That's what they envision him as. Yes, yeah. and then he brings us to two thousand nineteen, where we had the film Rocket Man, which so, we both saw today. We did. So we'll be moving into the review now, and obviously we'll be sticking another sexy new jingle in here. Oh, jingle! Yes. Yes. I mean, we say this, we haven't made anything again. This is probably going to be a gap, and I'll just go. Jingle for reviews. And that's all we've got so far. <laughs> jingle for reviews. That was a great jingle, wasn't it, Josh? I mean, as I said, I, I weep easily, and I was I was in tears. Um, I barely contained myself with how beautiful that was. Did your uh, Did your eyes tear up during the film at all? Um, get a bit glassy. No, they didn't. There was points where I, I did really feel for it. Sort of, I thought it was brilliantly acted by um, Taron Edgerton. He did a great mm-hmm. job in there. Um, I believed him. I thought it was an honest performance. I thought it was an honest portrayal of, of his life. I mean, I don't know much about his life. Um, well, you do now. I do now. <laughs> but I think it was quite an honest and frank look back at how mistakes he'd made. It wasn't just, look, I'm great. I don't, do yeah. it, wasn't, it wasn't shying away from those no, it wasn't. Um, issues. I mean, um, there's a lot of people who said that they shied away from sort of sex and the size of things, but... Well, he said himself that there were a couple of scenes that were cut that he would have liked to have in there. Um, I know when it was put on in Cannes, because um, after, after Cannes Festival happened, um, the the weekend finished with Elton John and Tan Edgerton singing. Um, I think I think it was Candle in the Wind, it might have been. I can't remember what song they were singing, but they sang together, duetted on stage, oh, the final bit of, of the Cannes Festival. Um, and obviously, in throughout this entire thing, uh, Tarnation also sings all the songs himself. It isn't mm. um, isn't just like mind and yeah. someone else. No, I thought I thought that added to it. I thought that really added to it. Uh, before we break down the entire film, sort of give a synopsis. I mean, the synopsis is what you've just heard from us anyway, really, up to a point. Yeah, with a few things added it's in. Quite interesting. Um, what was your opinion of the film coming out of it? I really enjoyed it. Really liked it. I felt like it was. The way it was filmed, it was obviously directed by Dexter Fletcher. Um, I mean, I love Dexter Fletcher in everything he touches. Yeah, I mean, myself. Um, 
but it, it, yeah the, the way it was filmed felt very much like Elton John it was like a bit eccentric it was a bit surreal yeah it was it, it was, was good it was like looking through sort of his eyes <laughs> it was it was in a way because it one was of his many, one of his one many, many pairs, pairs of glasses it was because <laughs> it wasn't looking at it through like standard like this is just the lens of the world it's this distorted view as you mm. said where some of it's a bit more rose tinted some of it's a bit grittier some of it is over the top elaborate for no good reason and yeah. blocking the peripheries of what you're meant to be seeing and that's what you needed from it I, I thought it was an I, I enjoyed it um, honestly, going into here, I'm I'm not the biggest Elton John fan. I think we've had the discussion. You're quite a big fan. Yeah, I'm not. Um, my biggest thing up to here has always been he's a great composer of music and puts it all together really nicely. Mm. The lyrics are okay, yeah. but I don't think he's the best singer. My I've always thought that he's better suited for things like musicals and yeah. and, and items like that. And this is where his songs have come to life for me in this film because it's putting something behind it. Undoubtedly, off the back of this, we're going to see a West End or Broadway show on his life called Rocket Man. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised. But I also wouldn't be surprised if maybe they went after he kicked it. Nah, yeah, that seems to be immortal. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's what seventy something, seventy five, seventy six now. Probably write this out. Forty seven, seventy two, seventy two. Um. So he's probably got a few more years anyway. <laughs> that, but earlier on, Mass was hard. Pluck that one out. Yeah, it's because I was throwing numbers at you, wasn't it? Um, <laughs> just putting back in order, like Rain Man. <laughs> just picking them off the floor. Yeah, that's the number we're looking for. Uh, this film, though, I really enjoyed. I came out of here singing songs from the show. And we had a great chat about it afterwards. Um, I did, yeah. What we're you, doing did, you didn't know that he didn't write his own stuff before the film, did you really? Or before I mentioned it. Yeah, I see... You said that. The second you said it, I remember hearing about it before. Mm. But it's one of those things I'd always associated he could write his song. Mm. So you mentioned it and then it clicked. And then it was so obvious in this. I, I, must say, I, I didn't know until I was doing my research on my end. I, I'd assumed. You would, they, they, they all seem... His songs do seem very personal to but him. That's the thing. His songs have a common... They feel like they're written by the same... Yeah. They are written by the same person. It just doesn't happen to be him. Yeah. Uh, but overall I would say this was a good film I would say it's probably four pairs of glasses four <laughs> pairs of glasses four pairs of glasses out of the finish five. It's, it's really good I wouldn't say it's the best film you're going to see but I really enjoy it I would recommend, I'd recommend it, it. oh I'd I would I would it. say to go see it. even if you're not the biggest Elton John fan I think you'd enjoy this film if yeah well you you, you, you you're self self-professed yeah. not and Elton John found and he really enjoyed it. So, but I, yeah, and I'll go through about why I enjoyed it. I think when we sort of break it down, yeah, so overall. overall. So we'll we'll go we'll sort of start from the beginning. In. So the whole film is framed in his um, rehab stint, isn't it? Yes. So it starts. Yeah, it starts with him just breaking through the doors, dressed in the um, orange devil suit that he has. Yeah. Um, Comes in, breaks in, and starts talking. You expect well. You expect you you see that intro, and you expect it to be him walking down. I don't know if you did. I, yeah, it's I coming on it stage, isn't it? Getting ready to go on stage, walking down like the stage doors. But obviously, that's the whole point because it's him performing yeah. his life to these people, exactly. even in the in the circle. Uh, I think, I think you can do a framing like a device like this, and it can get tiring mm. and it can be unnecessary. I think this was done well because it's focusing on potentially. The lowest point in his life where he's trying to fix himself and it's really yeah, it is, yeah. so 
there's a reason for it. It's not just his, the, the his whole, friend device. The whole film felt reflective because of it, and it, mm. and it, and it was it worked it worked well. It meant that you, it, him being in this uh, in rehab in this sort of alcohol, Alcoholics Anonymous circles style thing, it it did it, it encouraged the looking into the bad parts because that was where he was. Mm. And I thought that really helped. It it also meant you had definite points from the offset. You you like as a as a start to finish, yeah. You go start at the beginning, finish here, and then the points that we hit in the middle are the low points, really. It also, is... it also allows you to be more forgiving of things being out of place because it's done through the, the lens of someone's memory. So it's going to mm. be tinted. Things are going to be seen in a better way or a worse way or these people are villainized rather than what they should be because it's the personal reflection on what's happening. There. So you sort of allow these bits where you're like, oh, really, is your mum that bad? Or are you yeah. just, just saying that's the case? I, I thought it was done well. But then immediately after he's done all this, we get encountered by Little Elton. And I, I have a real problem with child actors in general. <laughs> but it, it was a kid who was very stage school and he comes in with a great Bitches song. back. Bitches back, yeah. Comes in with Bitches back, um, which I thought was an odd choice to open the um, film. But I don't know if it was more of a comment you put in? As, as the opening song. Mm. Circle of Life. <laughs> uh, get a gospel <laughs> as it goes to his suburb um, I don't know it's hard to work out what would be the, the best sort of because opening one I, like, obviously it is your opening song but you need to save your big ones for the moments in which they'll hit or be more yeah, poignant yeah. I was concerned because obviously as it opens up he's singing the bitches back running through everyone's in coloured clothes, he's in coloured, but then everyone's in like drained, Drab, yeah. drained uh, colours, whilst young Elton and him are still seeing these colours. And it's sort of a bit of dancing and stuff. I thought, oh God, I've, I've agreed to go and watch an actual musical. Yeah, which is it not felt what, a bit which, like La La Land. Which is what I didn't want from this. And I think, thankfully, we didn't really get a musical. We got a we film got enough with, of one. But we got film. We got a film with songs in it mm. that were related to the person. But it wasn't like, oh, and now everyone in the street's going to start dancing. It's like, oh no, this is your personal song. That's yeah, and it didn't. It didn't feel jukeboxy in that they no. they forced the songs to go with the story. It wasn't like that. It wasn't like they built the story around the songs because obviously it's biographical. It's not written around the songs, is it? No. And they, they, this was another thing. They. Um, they, I obviously I, I knew because I'd written this report about what order the songs came out in yeah. but you did and I was saying to you afterwards they they are all over the place and they're more they're more in keeping with what the, the theme at the time is yeah the theme at the time is and like I Want Love is what you, you the second song you hear yeah and that was brilliant as well that was really well done. They split that up between four characters and it didn't seem out of place at all. Uh, and the scene, so that one was done when he's um, a bit of a teenager. The teenager did a really good job. Teenage Elton John was really good, I thought. Yeah, it was Teenage Elton John. Teenage Elton John was singing that. It was really, I thought he did a really good job of it and he tried to do it like Elton. The makeup in it was all really good. Everyone looked like who they were meant to mm. and, and the ageing throughout it, mm. I'll say now, was done very well. Mm. I felt, El- I felt like I saw Elton go through 40 years of life or whatever, whatever it yeah, is. Yeah, I agree, yeah. Was it 40 years? No, because he's 
30 years of life, 33, 34. So it was about 47 to, yeah, no, 47 to, the, to 81, so about 35 yeah, years, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I felt like you saw that, and you also saw it with the parents, the ageing there, so it was all done um, yeah. well that way. But the I Want Love was done really, really nicely shot with four people, and everyone sang honestly as well. Mm. It was showing that he was a singer. He was the only real musical person in his family as well. Uh, Bright, is it Bryce Dallas Howard? Yeah, who plays his um, mother. Yeah, she was okay as a singer. Yeah, she's right. The dad couldn't really sing, and the nan was singing like <laughs> how you imagine a nan, uh, to, and a nan, a nan, nan would a, sing. A nan in chapel, <laughs> you know, it's that idea. She's yeah, just there and she's singing. Really nice. I, to us, you can sort of skip through to. He then wants to start doing rock and roll music yeah. after the guy from Phone Shop, who turns out to be his new stepdad, gets Plays his hair Fred. gets his hair cut like um, yeah, Elvis, which is really good. There was a nice laugh there. Yeah. Do Saturday Night All Right, and it's him transforming into the young man. Oh, that, yeah, that was one of my favourite bits. So he, he, it's when he, he's playing in the pub for the first time, mm. and he plays Saturday Night All Right. Obviously, this isn't what actually happens, what I was saying, but the songs are all... <laughs> all over the place but he plays the kid plays Saturday Night's Alright and he <clears throat> a it's fight a... starts in the pub next to him and he sort of stumbles through it and he's dancing around dances a bit with his family yeah. and leaves outside goes down an alleyway he's still the teenager at this point and then goes into a carnival area and the transition through the fences in yeah it, and at this point, I was still concerned it was going to be very much a musical because at this point we'd had about three songs. We had the first one, which was mm. um, all that singing and dancing. Then there was a sad song where they were sort of like all isolated in the house. And then it was like, oh, right, now we've got another dancing thing. But after I really liked the, the dance break for this. I did as well. And it was because he wasn't really involved in the dancing. He just wanted no, he to. Wasn't, he, he, was, yeah. he was trying to get involved. He was like dancing on the outskirts. Yeah. He wasn't in time with them. It was him showing that. He wanted to be involved in this rock and roll, this yeah. this more carefree lifestyle, and, and accept him, but he's still on the outskirts. Like, really good, um, really well shot that as well. It was lots of movies. It was almost a single take at one point, which went on for yeah. ages, which was good. Uh, and then we sort of follow his life. We meet Jamie Bell, who does a brilliant job in this, playing um, Benny... Bernie, Bernie Turpin? Torpin? Yeah, Bernie Torpin. Bernie Torpin. I keep calling him Dick Torpin, but yeah, Bernie Torpin. Yeah. Does a good job, but... And we also get his idea about why he should be a rock and roll, why he should be learning his new name from um, the bands that he's following, which aren't the yeah. actual bands um, that he was touring with, but um, just a generic rock and roll star from America yeah. who's like this young kid who grew up in Detroit who then creates his whole life and he's like, oh, you have to kill who you were before to become who you want yeah. to be. And that's where you get the Elton. That's where Elton John comes from, yeah. Um, I thought Jamie Bell was phenomenal. I know he's just, yeah. Really good. He's... He didn't have to do much. It didn't, he, yeah, it was. A, it was seemed like a really small part, but it was a part that... It was understated. Yeah, it had a large impact on everything. Everything, yeah. Uh, he had some lovely flowing hair in this. <laughs> and, also, and also, as you said, it was really nice to see Jamie Bell in here, obviously the original Billy Elliot from yeah. the film, which was a nice callback to Elton John in general. And he did a really, his, his singing was nice as well, when he, he sang one song in there, didn't he? Yeah, he does, he starts off... Um, Goodbye, Yellow Brick Road. Yeah, which then he does a good part of it and then it comes back in later in and, yeah. and Elton finishes it off. Really good. Um, there's not much else to, to go through. Well, there's obviously lots to go through. So then we start getting him to, he gets the record deal. He sings. Um, he moves back in with his parents after yeah. coming out as basically gay and breaking up with his girlfriend, but not actually coming out as gay, just 
Yeah, he hasn't, sure. told, he hasn't told anyone but his girlfriend at the time and... Um, and Torpin. Torpin. Um, and the other uh, rock stars, because um, the, the, they meet back up with the people they've been following, and he's already kissed one of the boys. like, oh, how do you know? Because, yeah. well, yeah, I'm not going <laughs> to yeah. say what he said. But essentially, they just got to bring it up. Then he moves back home, and they start doing your song, and this was my favourite part of the film, but then again, it's yeah. my... It was such a wonderfully done version of your song and the sort of thing that is linked to Torpin more than anyone else. It's like, you've created this. This is us. This is our start. And the whole family coming in, like the nan coming in from the kitchen to come yeah. in because she's still invested. The mum actually stopping being the self-centred person she yeah. is to pay attention to this song but not actually moving from us. Well. So yeah. And it was that sort of three-generational shot that they do, which... It was really good. I really good. I, re- I really, yeah, I really enjoyed it. It was in the him figuring out the tune was great as well for what's going to work for your song. Yeah, so then it just just touching bits and then yeah. uh, Torpin runs back down and he starts hearing it. He hears the music. He's like, oh, it's working. I'm coming yeah. down to hear it. And that's their big breakout song. They then move to LA and there's a nerves of him going on stage. And we get him to sing Crocodile Rock, isn't it? That's the one that they, they opened do. with. They opened with Crocodile Rock at the um, Trom... Oh, what's the name? Trumbo? Trumbo? The... Miss Trunchbull. Yeah. That's what it is. That's, they that's the Miss... club that they're playing. Yeah, at. the big LA club, Miss Trunchbull. Uh, <laughs> they were there. They basically performed and it's just everyone goes for it. Uh, Richard Madrigan shows up as... Um, yeah, Richard Madden does show up as um, Freddie... Not Reach, is it? I can't remember his last name. Yeah, but the, his manager that Freddie. he... Was... I don't even think it's Freddie. Johnny? Know. You're busy throwing a lot of names at me right now. I am. You, you're busy making me work for this yes. now. You work for a boy. <laughs> um, he shows up, basically. He's watching the whole way. And we, you can tell straight away there's going to be some sort of relationship between the two of them. He plays John Reed. John um, Freddie, uh, but he's watching him, um, and this is essentially after the show. They go back to a party at Mama Cass's house. Yeah, which you yeah. never you never see Mama Cass. You no, just you go don't. back to Mama Cass's house. Uh, Jamie Bell goes off with this woman, blows off what they're meant to be doing the next day, which is going off to Tower Records. Tower Records. And Elton John starts sort of spiraling and doubting that it's going the right way. Yeah, he sings. Um, what does he sing there? He sings Tiny Dancer. He does, he sings a tiny dancer, at which point John Reed comes and speaks to him and goes, Look, you need to you're gonna do great here, you're gonna be amazing, this is what I do. And then they have have sex at that point. They do. And it was done I think it was done really well that scene. What yeah, so, <laughs> so did the uh, the woman behind us. <laughs> the woman behind us didn't think it was so good. Um it was we went in there just to give you an idea of, of oh, who was yeah. in the, we got into this cinema, there was us two. We must have been the youngest by about thirty years, maybe more. Yeah. Um, there was a guy who was sort of sat down in the front row who was about 50 there was another guy in front of us who must have been about mid 50s and then some lovely old lady who must have been in their 70s as well yeah um, and as this starts <laughs> the woman behind us goes oh they're not doing yeah. this oh that's no, disgusting no. it's like well what did you think was going to happen yeah. in this film <laughs> exactly I th- yeah I think they'd signed up to see the best of Elton John's gig sort of thing rather than it's interesting because they would have been like there during the growth, yeah, yeah. It was, it was, it was good. He falls in love essentially with John Reed, doesn't he? And that's the thing. He's he's constantly yeah, chasing he his his attention, his affection. 
and we see John Reed almost like blow it off that it's not that they'd be looking up when he was next in. Yeah, he says, in I'll, I'll see you when you're next in like when he's next in London. And then we sort of get like flash frames, like the stereotypical, um, like, oh, newspaper prints going over people and the growth and the build up because he's done so well and the fact that he's going to go and play millions of tours and all that yeah. sort of thing. And then the next thing we see is him singing with Kiki D, don't we? And yes, he is. Yeah, yeah and that's he does. It cuts that far, doesn't it? Cuts yeah. that far ahead. At which yeah, point, John Reed shows up again, and they cut it short because John Reed has showed up, and they shag in the yeah, they in shag the in, the, in, the, in the closet. In the closet. They literally yeah, go into the closet. Do. That's the idea. Yeah. I suppose it's sort of you still need to keep it secret. Bit of uh, symbolism in there. <laughs> it's 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 a really good scene. I mean, um, I can't remember the name of the guy who plays sort of his agent. He's not his agent, really. He's Roy. Roy, who's like the representative, uh, Ray, sorry, Ray Williams, Ray. he plays like his representative for the company, um, the record label that he's with. Yeah. Um, which is, he's, he's like his, his, his handler. Liaison, liaison? Yeah, something like that. He, he goes with him everywhere, but he's not the, like the manager. But he also pro- seems to be like there for producing all mm. his records, he's there to make the cuts. Um, so we see this happen, and this is where we get John... Uh, John Reed makes him start spending money and living life as a rock star, which yeah. is where we start seeing the descent into drink and drugs and just purchasing everything. And we get Honky Cat as they're doing it, isn't it? Yeah, Honky Cat as they as he's basically saying, yeah, like be rich, enjoy being and rich. And this is the point where you start. I, I honestly, I thought this is the point where I start seeing him being Elton John. He looks more like Elton John at these points when you see the hair starts thinning on the sides. He sees pushing it to cover it, and then you sort of see him with the shorter oh, hair. I thought. He really looked like Elton John in that in that first gig. Funnily enough, it was it was the for me it was the first the Crocodile oh, we've, Rock. We've, we've skipped over that point in Crocodile Rock. That brilliant scene, which you've obviously seen in the trailer, oh, yeah. where he does the he kicks us out and jumps up to his horizontal with the piano, which is that sort of iconic shot of him. And you see everyone else raise as well, mm. but it's a slowdown. He's like floating. It's that floating because it's that moment, and everyone jumps as well. Technically, when he's jumped, and it's that realization. Although I've yeah. only played. I've hit the key. I've hit about eight keys. Yeah, this is it. This is yeah. the start. And then he lands, and then everything blows up. And it, that was a brilliant shot. Yeah, that was great. But that was that was when I first saw Elton in him. Was the the dungarees and the the rocket star. But that, but that was yeah. it, wasn't it? It was the first time we see him in his stage. Yeah, stage it was. Yeah, it? yeah, because he'd been he'd been given money from his manager to go get it, go and buy it. So going back to there, John Reed then takes over as his management and kicks the other guys out, yeah. doesn't he? And, and we sort of see then his, his rise, his fall. We see all these songs. We see him fall in love, fall out of love, get angry and angry at John Reed because he realizes that he doesn't ever love him. Until hmm. um, it gets to a point. Falls out with his mum. Yeah, he falls out with he falls out with his mum. He goes and sees his dad again after they before. This is it. It's yeah. the first time he's seen him since. Yeah, and he's left crying. He's, he leaves there crying because his dad is affectionate with his new brothers. In a way, he brothers. never was. With yeah, him. yeah, it is, and it is. It's heartbreaking to watch. That was that was the first. That was the only bit I was close to tearing up at. I think. Yeah, I think that bit. Or was it? That was a bit near the end. Oh, when he was talking to everyone at the end, mm. like in his head. Oh yeah, that was that was good. Yeah, the the, the uh, ghosts of Christmas past <laughs> section. Uh, but yeah, so he so he goes to see his dad, goes back, he's doing a few more gigs, um and then he has that big house party at his. Yeah, it's it's and it's a house party he didn't want to have, essentially. He well he, he did obviously this is this is where we're also getting Is this just after Pinball Wizards? Or just before, isn't it? 
starting. This is, this is... No, it's just it's just before Pinball Wizard. Oh. It, it is just before Pinball Wizard. So we got on this, him going through, He's we're losing track of time at these at this because he's sort of everything's blurring together he's not sure what day he's waking up on what's going on we thought we saw Shangela at this point from, yeah. from I don't think it is I can't find I've just checked Shangela's film credits and it doesn't, say, doesn't say it so I don't know who it was oh. it might be a woman who just looked like Shangela no it's definitely a bloke I thought it was a bloke definitely I thought bloke. it was Shangela but it, I don't know he leaves the house anyway he sees John Reed being um, getting, getting some happy presents get, well basically getting uh, Sucked off in me by, by yeah, his system. Yeah, I don't know what's with it, but and he outside. starts he starts freaking out and getting angry and tends to not yeah. to leave. He doesn't want him there, and then his family shows up. Yeah, and he doesn't realise he said, "Well, that's next week." No, that's today. Yeah, because he's just yeah. So he's 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 losing track of time as much as we are at this point. <laughs> yeah, it was literally flying through, um, and it was, but it was it was there was it was done well. It was and it was it was it was done. As you say, within that pinball wizard bit, you see all these different gigs, all these big gigs, all these different outfits as it's spinning. It's, it's, de- it's definitely after this. Definitely after this scene, we see the pinball wizard. I only know that because I, I, I'll say why <laughs> when we get there, because it's the next stage. It's when he's obviously he's just been to hospital. Because at the end of this house party, he goes, My next trip, I'm going to kill myself. Yeah, um, after taking a load of. Prescription meds and alcohol. Pills and alcohol, yeah. So he dives, he falls into the pool. He sees himself as a kid. So his That's where you have Rocket Man. His little kid, he squeals it in yeah. Rocket Man. It was that was the worst part of the film was his singing, but a really nice shot. Mm. <laughs> it was really nicely done, but then that kid was ruining it for me. And then he thinks he's got all these sort of dancers going on, um, yeah. but it's just the people diving into the pool to save him. Yeah. Um, and then it's him going to hospital. He gets picked up, taken to hospital. And then it's like this silhouette scene of him getting ready. Like they basically, they can be sick, they clear it, oh, they strip yeah. him off, they do all this. It's all silhouettes, you don't see anything, really. Him getting stripped off, you think they're making him better to take him to hospital, but then he's dropped into some clothes, he's zipped up in it, and then he's pushed out in yeah, that's where he, that's sparkly where he baseball. Uh, uh, that was a Madison Square Gardens game, yeah. that one. Yeah, because he's, he's wearing the baseball jersey, this all sequin with Elton yeah. on the back. Um, yeah, and that, yeah, you're right, that is the pinball wizard scene. And then... Short, so shortly after that, it's all deteriorating, and he sees his mum. He goes to for dinner, doesn't he? He mom, does, and that isn't the pinball. Because I've just remembered, pinball wizards after is, is a variety show. Where he comes out with all the pe- peacock feathers because that's where he starts going. You see all the other like, I don't know. They do pinball wizard at one point, and it's spinning, and yeah. you see him changing. It doesn't matter when it happens. Great. Right. <laughs> um, I felt sick during that scene. I really, oh, I quite liked it. But I think not. not you like, weren't spotting. It was. It you're was not, more because that, that was it. I wasn't. I wasn't snapping my neck. My neck. <laughs> um, but I thought it was really nicely done. I think it worked. Me feeling ill. It was almost that idea that everything is mm. swirling, getting some mm. madness. We see him. He has this discussion with his mother, where he's like, "Well, I'm gay." And then his mum's like, "Well, I know." Yeah. <laughs> um, he then gets an altercation with John Reed, who. Oh, this is. Yeah, it's just after his mum. He then gets an altercation with John Reed, who then wallops him. and says, "Don't yeah. you ever touch me? Don't you ever touch me?" And that's the end of that little bit, really, isn't it? Well, it is. Uh, it's, it's him getting more for sure upset about it. And he's like, right, you got another gig. He just keeps pushing on for more yeah. gigs and more gigs. Because uh, he has a heart attack, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. Which we see, which yes. was done well again. Yeah, really good. It was, it was, it was really good. It was really well filmed. There was the the scene change between him having dinner with his mum and stepdad into him having dinner with Jamie Bell into 
Shane Bell leaving to uh, goodbye Yellow Brick Road. It's it was a real brilliant. brilliant descent into the chaos that wasn't in, 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 yeah. closing his life. And there's the whole thing of him trying to get a hug from his dad as well throughout it. It's just like, oh, but why is it not me? Do I get a hug yet? Do I get? Because that's like one of his first lines. Like, Do I get a hug yet? And he's like, no, don't be so soft. Um, and eventually, we we see him. He's confronting his demons in, in the in the mm-hmm. in the hall, and. He then hugs his younger self, doesn't he? And it's the idea that it's not that he's looking after, looking for his father's acceptance. It's the idea that you have to accept yourself. Yeah. That's the the idea is that the whole you need to grow and understand who you are and not worry that your mum knows you're gay but you'll never find happiness. It doesn't matter that your dad's not gonna <laughs> doesn't doesn't want any affection with you. It doesn't matter that you've got this manager who's just using you for the money and that sort of thing. Yeah, you've got to make sure that you are the most important yeah. person, which then leads into him doing. Um, I'm still standing, doesn't it? That's the end of it. That's where they recre- re- recreate the music video from it, and it is done brilliantly. And it's brilliant, yeah. It's phenomenal. That. And I, I love this film. I actually came out of it. As I said, Forza. I wouldn't give it. A, it's not a perfect film by any stretch. There are no. there are flaws in there, um, but it's done so well that I didn't care. I enjoyed every bit of it. Yeah, I was I was pleased. I was really pleased. Let's put this way: I didn't check my watch once again. I didn't check it at all. I was worried about this film coming into it. That I was really like. It was what two hours? Two hour film, and it was it was I was kept in because it wasn't at no point did it feel like oh they're just having this chat because they need to oh it's just pointless exposition this is just what mm. every scene had a point was done in a certain way to make it important to what was going on. Um, I feel like you had too much hair. <laughs> yeah, but that's that's the only thing. I, I, I liked it. I, I, as I said, four glasses. I really enjoyed it. Four glasses. Four, four glasses out of five glasses. Four pairs of glasses, yeah. Four pairs of glasses. Yeah, that's good. One for Be- each Better than a monocle? Yes. Definitely better, better than a monocle. monocle. Um, there we go. Yeah, so it's not much, not much to say, really, apart from that. Go see uh, it. It's, yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, we've just been describing it. Like, the synopsis is his life. He's like, and the scenes were shot brilliantly. That's the yeah, it, it doesn't do it justice us talking about it here, it's, I don't it's, think. It's not one of those films you can break down, this scene was amazing because of this and that. Uh, it wasn't any bits like that, because it is a musical, essentially. No, it's like, it, yeah. If you like the songs, you'll like it. It wasn't so much the intricacies or the foreshadowing of, oh, this is in this scene and that's in that yeah. and whatever. Yeah, no, so I, I think that just about wraps up our review. So that's the end of the Four review. Of yeah. Classes. End of reviews. End of reviews. <laughs> um, so obviously so now... Jingle. Yeah, that's our other Clue, jingle there. Clues jingle now. Oh, it's Clues. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll get into Clues. But I, before we get into that, um, we didn't talk about it, uh, Josh's favourite song. So I feel like we're just going to go back to oh, that for a second. So Josh sent me this link to listen to this film the other night um, and said it was the best one we'd heard of Elton John. And I thought, oh, really? Put it on. I thought, you must be joking. I was like, you haven't really laughed, Josh. Why are you showing this? He's he sending me... Um, a cover he did of Khalid's song. And I don't know why he was doing oh, this. Oh, Josh, don't. Don't put words in my mouth, boy. This is definitely this is, this is what happened. right. Yeah. He sent it to me. He said it was the best one. Listen to it. And I thought, you must be having a laugh. And he went, it's great. I love everything about it. Right. The, the picture for this is going to be our text conversation. The picture of this podcast, this episode. <laughs> because I... Josh was... Josh was I sent him off to listen to. I just went listen to the best of Elton John because um, I, I know basically all the songs anyway, and you didn't. So I went listen to the best of Elton John, see what you find. He stumbled across this 
abomination <laughs> of young, dumb and broke that uh, Elton John decided to put his name to. Yeah, it's on one of the Spotify singles. And um, yeah, and he sent it my way and he went, oh, I really like this. And I was I was confused because sarcasm does not translate on text very well. Although really, we should, I don't know what you're thinking. Really, you should be just taking anything I send via, via messenger to be some sort of... Well, sarcastic. I assumed it was sarcasm, but then you... You, you doubled down on said sarcasm, oh, yeah. and I was left wholly confused <laughs> as to why you enjoyed this appalling Look, yodeling. I stand back. I stand by what I've said there. It's a great song for all the wrong reasons. It's an old white pen, old white pensioner who's a multi-millionaire <laughs> singing "Young D- Young Dumb and Broke," and the best bit is that you know. Da, 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 da. That bit of it, where he's going, yeah, da, 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 da. It's, it's, expected it's, to be it's literally like you told your granddad to go sing Young Dumb and Broke, and he's and he's trying to do it on the spoons, you know? It's that, it's he was that great, sort it's of hand boning yeah. <laughs> Just like slapping himself, going, rah, da, 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 da. Like, all right, grandpa, back in the home. <laughs> But as we said, uh, my favourite favorite of Elton John is your song, and Josh's favourite is uh, Young Dumb and Broke. It is not. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I guess that brings us towards the end uh, this week. Uh, and as always, uh, thank you for listening uh, to us. Um, yes. You always, we always want to hear suggestions about maybe upcoming films you want reviewed, people you think be interesting to look back on. You can always message us either on uh, Gmail at. Oldnewborrowedwho at gmail.com. That's the one. Or contact us either on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. All of our other handles are at OMBWPod. OMBWPod. Um, obviously, we want as much discussion as you guys. And obviously, if you've seen any of this, if you've seen Rocket Man and you want to share your thoughts on it, we will try and discuss it with you. And yeah. I and if you want to argue with Josh that he's wrong about his favourite song being Young Dumb Broke, by all means. At him directly, yeah. just 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 come at me. Yeah, just at him. <laughs> at his, at his person, which is what, Joshua J times three. Joshua J times three. Yeah, it's X three. Just just at him just and like, say which young dumb and broke is the best. <laughs> right, X the X three in my Twitter handle. I found out Emma was like, oh yeah, that's you know that's like like emos used to do as like a broken heart symbol. I was like, oh, fuck, of course. Of course it is. It I'm, is. I'm myspacing it up here now. It is. He might need to change his because obviously I'm I'm at who, who underscore tins of hooting. I think you should probably change yours to a at Josh Hua. So we thought the old boy, old boy, new boy, new thing there. But anyway, so we'll clues for our next podcast. This one is going to be a hard one to put some clues yeah, in. Yeah, I have a really Sin King feeling about this one. <laughs> nice, I like it. Um, this person is a titan of their industry. They are. Um, potentially the biggest person in Hollywood, I would say. Well, mm. biggest thing in Hollywood. One of, at least. Um, what else can I throw in there? Um, <laughs> it's it's he, a hard one, isn't it? He, um, yeah, he has, he's a fan of wearing um, Geiger stuff, isn't he? Yeah, I think his upcoming film is going to be Cracking. <laughs> Oh, there's some good ones there. Um, if you don't like it, you can always fight us. It'll be you versus us, which yes. I think is a nice way to finish it. So, as always, thank you for listening. Uh, I've been Josh. Listening. I've been Josh. And I've also been Josh, although you did that really well there, oh, didn't you? Oh, well, yeah. All right. We'll do that again. No, we won't. We will keep that in. And the, and the public will go wild. I've been Josh. And I've been Josh. Uh, thanks for listening. Yes. We'll see you again first this week. <laughs> thank you, and good.